Welcome to Tales from the East Stand, episode 248, and we are back in the lair talking current events for the first time in two weeks because it was that 70s show last week, but uh, so much has happened the last four nights. We've had uh, two games, two European draws, a submarine implosion, Russian civil war, and a Ryan Tuberty scandal. And here to dissect it all is not Gary Parsons, because Gary is on the holidays for two weeks. So you know what that means. It's that time of year again where I have to go out and carefully select a guest co-host. Uh, I kept this one a secret all week, even from Gary actually, until this morning I revealed it. Uh, I let the cat out of the bag in uh, on Twitter and the Tipties group. I think the Glastonbury pick was uh, a bit of a giveaway. But um, I felt I needed a bit of a European expert for this show when it comes to our Champions League opponents and European travelling. Because it's the former coefficient head case. Before he was replaced. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, he's a good friend of ours and he's an international DJ. It's Dan Fulham. Welcome, Dan. Hiya, Carol. Delighted to be here. So, yeah, Gary's in Turkey. And funny enough, you know where he is? He's in Izmir, where Robbers played Aldispar wow. in the 1998 Inter Cup. So, I let him know that this morning. I think he's on the hunt now for the stadium <laughs> to see where. I think the, that, that club, they're just called Aldi on its own now. And I think they're playing in a temporary ground, ground sharing, while their the ground's actually being renovated. But it is the, still the same ground, but it's just been renovated uh, wow. in the last five, six years. How many travelled over then, is it, do you reckon? Not many. Um, I've talked to Jim Conroy about this, because uh, the WAC was basically a kit man and all-around handyman. <laughs> like a few, of them, a few fans went over just to help out the staff. Yeah. So it was a very small... Skeleton crew that went over to Turkey, um, yeah. So that was nineteen ninety eight Turkey. So as for who the special guest was, I got some wild guesses. Um, great show by Ryan McDyer actually because he he said Gary Shaw, who is a contender for next week. Funny enough, so I was impressed by that one. But no one said Dan until the Glastonbury pick went up. Uh, I say Hooperman. I don't think anyone said Huberman, no. Um, Kevin McGlone said he won't listen if it's Winston. Just outright <laughs> refused. Uh, Colin Nolan says, does Gary face re-election to the pod? I, I, I think that's a reference to the 70s show, because they were talking about Rovers coming last on the table and having to face re-election. So there was a thing here from Ian Davies. Um, if you recall, Dan, this was the letter sent in to Hoops seen by a Stoke City fan. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you recall me reading that out on the show a few weeks back and he was just in the area and he said I'll take in a game it was the past 3-2 game and it was like the best letter of all time but he's still keeping an eye on us and he said this on Twitter he said it seems to me that being a Shamrock Grover supporter is much like being a Stoke City reporter, uh, supporter nobody I spoke to has said has anything good to say about them colleagues in Tala, friends in Cork leaders in Sandyford keep shithousing your way guys uh, I love you more each day. <laughs> so, barely in the country we went weekend, and he's fully aware that everyone hates us. Uh, we were in. Uh, I was actually in Stoke last week. We had to get a bus to Glastonbury that morning from Stoke and put the key in the door, and the key snaps. So we had to get a locksmith <laughs> smith out. And the first thing the locksmith was, "What are you doing on holidays in Stoke?" <laughs> said, uh, Stoke in a wet Tuesday. Yeah, it was literally Stoke in a wet Tuesday <laughs> night, and. Uh, yeah, we, we said we're going to Glastonbury and he goes, that's fair enough. <laughs> so then we had the the con episode was the week before. Uh, Dan, you've heard this one. Um, Excellent. 
We had to wrap it up a bit early actually, could have gone longer. Um, and I asked Con afterwards, because Con had a load of notes. He had, like, he had four pages and you should have seen these notes. They were like, they were beautifully laid out and organised. So I just, I love that about Con. And I asked him, I said, how much more could you have asked? And he said, could have got another 80 minutes. Wow. Yeah, he has another 80 minutes of material to ask us. It's incredible. Yeah, they, on the, the game the other night, I was watching back on League of Ireland TV and... I think Con was slagging Graham Garland because I don't think he had any notes and had a return of Graham Garland. I mean, he could probably at least share Garland some of his notes. He's so much. <laughs> I've been up in the gantry as well. I've seen these notes. Uh, very like colour coordinated and everything. So it has to be done though. Has to be, we have to organise sometimes. Yeah, I felt we, we didn't get into the bad stuff, funny enough, because like we've made mistakes, clangers. Um, so we could do a part two. That could be a feature on it. But uh, like from you listening, did, did it sound like there could have been more? I think a lot was covered. Yeah, it just you just kept going. Honestly, um, it was great to hear. I mean, it was great to go through so much of the show from the other side, you know, of the fence for you guys to start being <laughs> quizzed this time. You know, um, I wonder what that felt like. But I'd say yeah, it sounded like Con could have kept going for another hour at least. They're they're really really good questions that he was asking, and it felt like he was dying to ask the next one. So I'm sure he had a few left. I think so. Yeah. Um, there was a nice reaction to that normally we read out a lot of these messages but honestly this show could be like four hours long as it is so uh, I might skip that part but thanks to people who did send us messages like David on Instagram sent us a really long one Um, basically his life story I don't mean that in a derogatory way it was actually a very touching message and he said the episode inspired him to get in touch and tell us about how he started following robbers fell away a bit and then fell in love again so it was actually a great read. So thanks for that for David and uh, a couple of people in the forum as well. Uh, Swimmer Hoop and Eamon uh, really liked the con episode. Brian McKenna uh, often sends us in stuff. He says, fabulous show. It was great to have the tables turned. And here's hoping episode 265 is a four in a row team versus four in a row team special quiz. <laughs> uh, he wants to know who we're going to get for the 80s. Oh, I wouldn't get ahead of things. To be honest, I'd I'd hold off. Well, whatever the four in a row, what he means is he wants us to do like a John Byrne and Martin Moore 80s run-through. Yeah. Where we, we like, we read through the narration of the decade, which possibly could do it. We obviously picked the 70s for a reason, because we, we were the doldrums. And was fascinated by that. We obviously have talked about Milltown and the four in a row a lot already. But we had never talked about... Uh, the 80s yeah it'd be good to hear that uh, someone actually went back and listened to the first episode and the Finner interview which was only 15 minutes and apparently Finner said that he still has more left in the tank he, <laughs> he was 29 at the time <laughs> oh my god yeah you probably say even more now I mean I know he's been injured the last few weeks but whenever he has been on the pitch he's been phenomenal um, um, and we we might need him from Europe because we know we don't have Trevor Clark. Neil Ferrugia, um according to Brazzer, after the game, it's not as bad as as we think it is. I know yeah. when we saw him hobble off and he's holding the hammer and looking at the sky, we all thought, oh no, is this weeks, is this months? But Brazzer says they've talked to the doc and it may not be too bad. So Yeah, that's good. Fingers I crossed, heaven for Europe. You'd probably just be a lot more precautionary now. Anytime somebody goes down at all, you'd be just overthinking it a bit as well. So hmm. just... No harm getting people off, especially with the next two games. who should be winnable, like dropping one or two players just to make sure they're okay. 
just on that actually there was um I can't remember where where I read it but um it was saying that Neil Ferrugia almost never plays Friday Monday games because of his previous hamstring injuries. And I thought like Ferrugia's only missed maybe one or two games yeah. since like last August. I'm sure he's played loads of Friday Monday games. I don't think that stat is correct at all. No, he's definitely come in. I has he played two games in a row on a Friday Monday? Started. Maybe maybe he's been start and sub. Yeah. But he's he's featured Friday Monday loads of times. Yeah, it so. seemed that when he did get injured though, it just went straight from absolutely fine to yeah. for a few weeks. There was no in between, but then again, you don't hear whether his hamstrings are at him. Hmm. And then he plays a few days later. I thought he peaked probably at home to Ghent because he was not on that run of like twenty games in a row. And I think it was such a long season. Everyone, fans, players were delighted it was over, except him. He, yeah, he wanted to keep going. going. Yeah, yeah. Like away to your garden, he was phenomenal. Like he did. Yeah. Just the, the fullbacks didn't expect anything like him coming at him. He had a great game. So hopefully he'll start bringing that form now into Europe as well. Uh, just a final note on the seventy show. Mick McCarthy says he was one of the famous sixty-three. Uh, this is the famous sixty-three paying customers. At uh, home at Lawn at Milltown, 2nd of April 1977. Oh. Jim Conroy tells me he was also one of the 63. So we know four of them now. We know Mick <laughs> McCarthy, Jim Conroy, John Byrne, Martin Moore. So that's only 59 more to go. So a bit of detective work. We might get the rest of them. <laughs> it's like the Rowers version of the Free Trade Hall with uh, <laughs> Sex Pistols or, or the Nirvana gig in Cork, who I think Buzz O'Neill was at that, allegedly. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one, Buzz. I don't know whether you were there in Milltown, though. <laughs> Uh, Jim also points out that 63 in that game, 2nd of April 1977, 18,000 in the Cup semi-final against Waterford on the 9th of April 1978. That's just over a year later. Wow. Waterford had massive crowds in the 70s in the Anidos Cup games. I think they probably... probably More so the early 70s though, where they won six league titles in eight years. This is late 70s though. But maybe the Robbers Wadford rivalry was still kind of hanging on a bit. Yeah. It's definitely gone now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh John Dorney says he loved the podcast, but Who Stole Our Game? That's the book that Khan read out from during the show. He f- he feels that book is terrible. The section on Robbers leaving Milltown is particularly bad. Uh the reason I use that book is because not many books have quotes on Giles and Dunphy from that time and I could have used McDerry and Owen's book but that was a more recent interview with Giles and I just feel that in Giles' later years aside from maybe his memory fading he's softened and he may not he doesn't seem to really want to go into much detail if you look at his autobiography I think it was 2010 there's two pages on Robbers he just sums it up as that didn't work yeah. He doesn't really want to talk about it, whereas that book was published in 2006 and he went into great detail. But as for the book itself, um, I have had some criticism from John uh, John Byrne and John Dorney. At the time, 2006, I was kind of becoming interested in the league. So yeah. I thought, I I soaked that book up. I thought, I assumed it was fact. But as John Byrne says, uh, the author, <laughs> he picked the narrative and he stuck with it. Yeah, 
it's not good that because a lot of people picked a narrative back in the late 80s when all that was going on and they stuck with it and they're completely wrong about it I mean it's the manager Dermot Keeley well yeah Dermot later held his hands up didn't he yeah, well, I mean, you would have been very stubborn at the time. I mean, to be fair, you're getting your wages and stuff like that, mm. so you you know you might automatically mm. have a different perspective. But it's nice to see the people come around because not a lot of people might do that. You know, they'll always stick with it and be stubborn. So it's 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 good because um, people needed to hear the truth. You know, not just mm. from Rovers fans. Well, man, who never had his hands up was uh, Noel King because if you look at that clip on Football Monday, Al, they interviewed the 2006 First Division squad. Custom Noel King and I can't remember his, I, I think he might have called the Kukoyans visionaries and he's Oof. like oh yeah they we're moving to the stadium in the future they're trying to move the club forward like 2006 and he's defending the Kilcoins like yeah, on, on Sky Sports it's embarrassing yeah. so Dan you were just uh, at Glastonbury so yeah. you, you weren't actually at these two games the Bowes Derry games you have watched them online so you will be able to review them with us but I saw you put in the chat a map overlay over Tala just to show how big the area was covering. And I remember doing a double take on that. I was like, wow. It's um, huge. Yeah. It's it's huge, Prof. Like it's, um, oh my God, it's literally from one side of Tala to the other. And then also you need to learn about where you go because you can get lost pretty easy, especially <laughs> on your first time. You're also not just walking on paths, you're walking on hills and praying that it doesn't rain as well. But uh, mm. Many, many times have you done Glastonbury? Four times now. Uh, the last four have been very, very fortunate. The, the, the way you get tickets is very, very difficult. You need an army of people. and Quarter of a million? Quarter of a million, yeah. And there's no, you know, there's no easy ways in. There's no VIPs unless, unless you know, you're in the music industry and stuff. But even mm. then, like my friend had to pay £800 to get a ticket to get in through that. So um, they don't make it easy. Um, the Rovers halftime playlist and Tada Monday was actually a Glastonbury team. Uh, it was Aslan pretty much. Um, I wrote down some things you put in the chat. Uh, Rick Astley and Blossoms doing the Smiths. You said it was really good. Blown away by that. Um, you know, you think it'd be sacrilege. Um, nobody could ever walk on that that stage again unless it was Morrissey <laughs> and Mar. But um, oh, I was phenomenal. Absolutely blown away. We're in the John Peel tent and it was just absolutely ram scorching out. Um, yeah, so, some people it. carried out. Yeah, Does some people carried out. The heat, yeah. I'd say it was about twenty-seven degrees, and um, there was one girl carried out. And now you could see that she was completely burnt, like on her legs. Um, to be fair to the paramedics and stuff, they're straight in, but it's very, very hard to get in there because it's so packed. Hmm. This was a secret act as well. Nobody knew. Most people didn't know until the day. Um, and so loads of people come storming down and stuff. So uh, yeah, there's not many places to go if you need to get out and get a bit, of, get a bit of water, but. We had Elton John. We had a seventy-seven-year-old Deborah Harry. Um, like, what what highlight would you pick overall from from Glastonbury? The highlight, I think, Elton John was amazing. It was like we stood at the back. The uh, speakers are still perfect, so you can hear it crystal clear. You could just see right down over one hundred and fifty thousand people. It had to be at least. Um, the set was incredible. The guests were brilliant. Um, I think Britney Spears was supposed to play and he said something as if to say she was and she didn't come out. Brandon Flowers from The Killers came out instead. Uh, the guests were brilliant though. Uh, Gabriel's as well. Yeah, it was a um, really good set and then just a massive rocket going across the sky when Rocket Man was on. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw some clips of Elton there. They, they looked epic. Uh, we had a Fat Boy Slim, another Bose fan. Although, 
the criteria for the, for <laughs> League of Ireland fans, musicians, it's so relaxed, isn't it? You basically just you present them with a jersey, yeah, and then you claim them like that's about it. Yeah, I remember chatting to Bez before on the Happy Mondays, and I was like, "Oh, you didn't have to wear that jersey," and he was just like, "Don't like what?" He was like, "This thing in Dublin." He was like, "Oh, okay, you know, you just throw anything on." Yeah, but uh, I know we claimed Paul Heaton, didn't we? But he had written into Glenmore Gazette, yeah, it did. in nineteen eighty eight, talking about Milldown, and then he he's since visited Tala. So we've sort of adopted him, haven't we? Yeah, there's a proper fan. And he, the last poster that they had had Shell, Shell's jersey on a post jersey, Rovers. So, um, yeah, mm. he, he, you know, you don't have to go chasing him to put a jersey on him. He, he would gladly get himself down to Tallaght to get a few photos. So, really nice fella as well. He, uh, I think the last gig he did um, might be a neighbourhood festival. And he just put loads of money behind all the pubs and named the pubs, get down here. Put, I'm going to pay for the points today. So <laughs> that sums up the kind of guy... What kind of person he is, you know? Yeah. Uh, someone suggested you run a bus next time. Glastonbury. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, if you're on a bus, you probably be probably half empty home. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, get the tickets for us is all I'll say. Um, now, to be fair, I've I have two friends who didn't have tickets and they were there as well. But uh, you know, I, I would I would say do that at your own risk. Um, my weekend, not maybe not as exciting. Dan, I was at the annual. Irish program fair on Pier Street or we'll put up a poll we'll say who had the more exciting weekend <laughs> Dan Fulham or Carol Riley although should have seen Gary Spain's eyeballs <laughs> loving life he was at this fair you uh, probably didn't get some burns, so that's, <laughs> that's, a, the, that's a plus as well just wait for the come down on Monday after that program fair it gets <laughs> intense but the award went to Bowes again uh, they won last year and I think we can feel a bit hard done by here. Um, I don't know if you saw on Hoop Scene, I actually reviewed every programme in the league, in, in the Premier Division at least. Um, I had us top with 8 out of 10. And I had Sligo, Pats, Bowes, Dundalk, Joint Second and 7. And I, I put that onto those rankings now. Yeah. And that, that was my genuine opinion. I just don't think the others could really touch Hoop Scene for content. Um, like Bowes is a good programme. Yeah. But uh, I think that's a bit ridiculous to Bowes to win that again. And uh we've done a bit of digging and the the process is not very transparent this voting for program of the year. It's done by the same three people. One is a Rovers fan. So maybe you assume his vote went our way, but it's even the members of the program club aren't quite sure how this voting works. <laughs> and uh, so Bowes have back to back wins. Uh, and who came uh, last? Uh, I don't think there's a first or last. I think it's just a winner. I've never heard of even a runner-up position before. Yeah. I think Roberts haven't won since 2017. So Roberts only won once since he's returned as editor in 2016. I think we won back in 2007 as well. Yeah, the um, it was great getting the online version during COVID. Absolutely loved mm-hmm. that. Um, and then I think I don't know what was the worst program you've ever you've ever bought. The worst program ever bought, I mean, sort of like on the buses with you in like 2012, 2013, 2014, you'd see some crappy ones like at a lawn and it would just be black and white and it almost looks like photocopies. So just some bad ones like that. <laughs> uh, the ones I ranked, I had shells last because they don't do a physical program anymore. Yeah. They just release it online for free. So obviously I had that at the bottom. 
I had Drogheda second last because it was just so boring. It was <laughs> it was just claret and br- and blue and writing, and there weren't pictures on most pages. And I was just like, I'm just I'm not reading this. And the the big player interview was literally five questions. It's terrible. Five questions. I remember the even not even the programs, which I remember some clubs just used to recycle tickets. I think Drotten were the worst for it. They just had different <laughs> colours. I think Pats did it as well. And like you wouldn't actually it was terrible because in 2010, 2011, when I started going to away games, I was trying to collect all the tickets over the season. But there's nothing that actually say that my draw of the ticket is from that year or that game. Yeah, I, I've noticed that over the years, yeah. I've never attempted to collect every ticket, but sometimes I've looked at them and like... I think even Bray... I still have Bray 2010 when we won the league. And I could be wrong with this, but I seem to recall it not even saying... Robbers or the date on it. <laughs> I mean, like of all games, they probably had to sell their tickets that they were selling the entire season for <laughs> yeah. that game. Just give anybody anything they could. But the uh, I I think they I actually have three or four programs in twenty ten. I think the reason why I have them is because the ticket was so bad. I needed something to show, you know, for that game. Right. So the European draw was last Tuesday the twentieth. So six months. We knew about the state six months. We were waiting for it, only to have to wait another <laughs> ten days. But this was interesting because normally the the pots come out the day before, and although you even don't say anything about them, it gets it just gets sort of put out there or leaked or whatever you want to call it. This is the first time UEFA actually came out and said, "This is when we'll reveal the pots," and it's also the first time. That the pots were out on the morning of the draw, which I, I thought that was like a burst balloon because the day before is part of the fun where it's yeah. narrowed down to five, and you're looking up potential, well, hopefully not looking up potential flights and driving up the prices. But so we kind of lost that for a bit. We had a couple of hours on the morning, alright, but and it wasn't the projected pots. Uh, it was kind of all over the place. Like Lern got Azerbaijan, so it was was it even regionalized? Yeah, it does. It does one thing from experience doing all this stuff through Barrett's site and learning the algorithms and things like that. It's to not trust that regionalized draw. Mm. Um, you can make all the predictions you want. Um, it's just never gonna be the case. I don't know what their decision factor is to move teams around, like how we got moved, and let's say I don't know another team. Didn't you know? I don't know. Maybe it would have been the new Saints didn't get moved, but um, yeah, it was. I wouldn't trust it at all. I had a feeling we'd be back in that group. Something told me. I, I think I said it to to Ryan on Twitter as well. Um, then lo and behold, which worked in our favour in the end. Let's be honest. So the options came down to uh, Faroe in Sweden, Kosovo, North Macedonia, and the winners of the preliminary round, which obviously we got. Uh, one young man after this draw. Had to make a lot of booking.com cancellations. He also had to cancel his helicopter ride to the Pharaohs. But these were our options. I love Paul McGrath's summary. In, in the morning, we were going to either Latvia, Pharaohs, Sweden, Poland, or up north. Then we narrowed it down hours later to Montenegro, San Marino, Andorra, <laughs> or Iceland. Jeez, we went all across Europe in the space of eight hours. Nuts. We were delighted to avoid Sweden. I think, was that the first thing out of the draw? We were like, yes. Yeah, hey, you, can, I that was I think that was the main one to avoid. Um, and as soon as they, uh, to be honest with you, I celebrated better when they got drawn out that we didn't get them. I didn't really care about the rest of the draw. Plainly, yeah. Grant. 
I remember you you send in you just yourself cheering. I assumed it was for who we got, but no, it was just we avoided hacking. That's yeah. why you were celebrating. Um, Ray was delighted. Ray William was delighted that we avoided hacking because he says he's been there three times now. He's been in that Green Hunter bar more than any other pub bar the Abbo the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> so the draw was made. Yeah, preliminary round. As the host said, Shamrock Wovers from Republic of Ireland. So, so yeah, we were expecting it would come down to the Icelandic team and the Montenegro side in the final. And yeah, so approved. But as we were anticipating who would win this, we're thinking, okay, the Icelandic team have home advantage because this mini tournament is held in Iceland. The Icelanders are in the middle of their season. Montenegrins are only back in training. Uh, but interestingly, they this team literally beat this Montenegrin team in Europe already. I thought was it last year or the year before it, or something? I think it was last year and yeah. I think it was the third round of the conference, mm. the champions pass, and it was quite a tight game as well. I think it was two red cards or something that yeah. had set them back. But all signs do point to to the Icelandic team, but you never know. We'll see what happens on Friday. And then we got Copenhagen in the second round if we do win. If we don't win we have Ferencvaros or Klaxvik of Faroe Island. So my Faroe's dream could be still on. Although obviously I don't want to. It means we've lost in the conference. I have to take it as a nightmare at the moment. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what that uh, second round had narrowed down to. I think Mulder were in there. Uh, Luda Gretz were in there then. Uh, do you fancy another fancy you know, crack? No, no. Luda they, Gretz. Yeah, they, I, I could see it on there. But I think I don't think there was many... Size to go to favourites. The only one was maybe Bate Borisov, which I wouldn't have minded because mm-hmm. they have lost a lot of like uh, non, uh, you know, just kind of European players and stuff because of the war that's happening. They also didn't finish first in their league because two other teams finished above them and they got done for match fixing. So I think mm-hmm. that their squad is much weakened, which and we would have also taken their seeding um, yeah. into that into that next round. So um, is I think I saw someone point out if we had drawn them. The home and away leg would have both been played in Tala. Oh, we would have actually had the two in Tala. Yeah, because I knew that they're not allowed to play them in Belarus. I didn't realise yeah. they would have had both home advantage. That's. I think they had done that for uh, a previous draw, or wow. maybe last year or something. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not on top of this. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't. But, I'd imagine there's not many countries in Europe that would uh, invite them in at the moment. <laughs> so very favourable ties for the other teams, like Dundalk got literally a pub team. Like their foundations are as a pub pub team, so I'm not slagging them. They're called Bruno Magpies from Gibraltar. Derry are after the Pharaohs, which may be jealous. Uh, Pascot Dulange of Luxembourg, and they all got great second round ties as well. So, as good a chance as any for three League of Ireland clubs to all win two consecutive rounds. Obviously, we're not expected to beat Copenhagen, but I think all four. We have a great chance of winning the first round, and Pat's Dundalk, Pat, um, Derry have an amazing chance to get through two rounds, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Like Dundalk, Dundalk still have a really, really good European seeding, um, because that's done over five years, so they're kind of on the tail end now of that group stage progression the second time. And um, just for anybody who you know, you kind of hear it's good to see the league doing well and stuff like that. <laughs> I think selfishly about Rovers, where does that matter? It's all about results on the night, so it's about. Pats winning boat legs. It's about Dundalk winning boat legs. That's what really matters because those wins go down as kind of an average country points. Important, obviously, that we win as well. 
Our ranking the last two years has actually been excellent and we've been we're moving right up to European rankings. I think the main thing is that we don't have an absolute disaster where we end up in this preliminary round, which I don't think will ever happen. But, you know, worst case, mm. we ever do get into the conference and, you know, we, we haven't won the league. It's important that we, we, we start in the second or third round, which is why that's important. I heard Dan McDonald saying there's potential for us to move up to 31st or something in the country rankings. What would that mean? Does that mean that we can skip around, go into the second round yeah, straight I've, away? Or? I've actually, I'll tell you what, um, Carl, I've got the access list here, so I can tell you that if you move up to, to be honest, it's only when you move up to 21 for the Champions League that you move yourself into the second qualifying round. For It's more for the for the Conference League side. So the Conference League side, if you kind of move up to 31, I can see it here, it's Slovenia. Yeah, like the, the cup winner, the cup winner will move into the next rounds. So we were actually hovering over this. I think it's the top 40. So Derry, I think that Derry just missed out on starting in the second round. But I think that if there was one more result that went their way, they would have moved into the next round. So now they actually have to play an extra round. I'd say it means we're, we're on the fringes then of uh, an improvement. Yeah, no, definitely. And the, the thing about this is, is that if you know, I think that you get the prize money of not even having to play in the first round if you're if you're going to be the cup winner. So that, it's more yeah, money that is guaranteed. Massive, yeah, because worst case scenario, you win the cup and you're not seated in that round, and you get a really really good team. At least you're guaranteed you're going to get two rounds worth of money. Hmm. Well, speaking of Gibraltar, uh, Dean Ebb. It's gone out to Gibraltar with Manchester in 1962. It's becoming a bit of a haven for ex-hoops because Dean, Dean Dinham was also out there at one stage. Uh, the UEFA Europa Conference League is being renamed to UEFA Conference League. So they've dropped the Europa. Well, from next season anyway. It's still still called that for now. So that means we're going to have two UCLs. <laughs> UEFA Champions League, UEFA Conference League. So for us, that is, that's, I'm not, not too happy about this, but... There we go. They're going to drop the word UEFA or uh, Europa. Uh, Bows are not in Europe, as we know, but they did play TNS in a friendly the same day as the Ireland Gibraltar game and drew four all. So an improvement on 2010. I'm looking forward to singing the song again on a Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a cracker. Marcus Poom played against Belgium for Estonia, three 0 defeat. And then, of course, we also had Pigo qualifying again for AFCON. Oh, yeah, just on, on Poom, actually, Maloney uh, has a song for Poom, and that is Poom, 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 should have left you in the coom. To be fair, I know we'd we'll be chatting about the match in a bit, but like he, I think he has been playing very well recently. Yeah. I, maybe, it's the, maybe it's the internationals, you know, because... I think that players, especially around European time as well, they just seem to just raise the standard whether they're playing in an international team or European football. So hopefully that'll stand to us now when I'm playing for us the next few weeks. I think we always had a, an eye on Europe, didn't we, for Marcus? We felt that he would thrive there, whereas Chris McCann just seemed to sort of, he seemed to sort of literally arrive in the European campaign. Because I remember Jack, was he was injured for a lot of those qualifiers. So McCann was really important there. But it's good that we actually have Poom in form in the lead-up to the, the Champions League. Yeah, it's excellent. Looking forward to seeing him in Europe. I, I reckon you'll see a completely different player again. Uh, like I said, Pico, Cape Verde have qualified once again for the AFCON. 3-1 win over Burkina Faso. 
secured qualifications for the final. So I'm looking forward to interviewing Pigo again on Zoom on, in some random African hotel room with some dodgy uh, Wi-Fi during the tournament. So when is the tournament? Is it like next January? January or? normally, isn't yeah. it? No hotel quarantine this time. <laughs> yeah. I think he'd done it twice last time, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, that's his 19th cap. So he's only one off the club record, which is 20 by Frank O'Neill. Wow. 20 Ireland cast by Frank O'Neill so he's, he's undoubtedly will break that pretty soon uh, Liam Brady left RTE um, just in time to avoid a scandal <laughs> we'll see what <laughs> we'll see what his real salary is I'm sure that'll come out uh, long overdue in my opinion um, I mean as a player he, he was obviously one of the greats and the three wise men with, with Dunphy and Giles obviously they were, they were good crack at times but I thought he stayed way too long. Like you'd turn on tournaments like the Euros and the World Cup, and they they put up the graphic and Brady would be like, "I don't know about them, Bill, or don't don't know them, Dara." Oh, well, we know him. He plays for Liverpool, Dara. Then silence. And that that's his analysis. And then Richie Sadio will come in and he'll tell them Just fill the gaps. what formation they're playing and what they had for breakfast and all. And I mean. It's literally your job to know about them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's <laughs> no your job. More, no more Liam Brady at very much either. <laughs> yeah. I think he I think he fall, I think all they do in those skits is that he falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> oh the the cap. Yeah. On every match. It's, it's like it's so crappy. Uh congratulations to Roy Gaffney. So this was the FEI International Awards. We have a few of these later on for our underage players as well. So Gaffney won the twenty twenty two League of Ireland Player of the Year. So congrats to, to uh, Roy Gaffney. So Idemo scored on his Ireland under-21s debut. This was the, the Kuwait game that was abandoned because one of their players made racist remarks to an Irish player. So if you read the Kuwait statement, it reads entirely differently. They say it was abandoned because we were too physical. Uh, it's nuts, isn't it? Like, uh, <laughs> oh, it it's, it's such a... Such a gaslighting episode from them when you're re- when you're kind of comparing the two side by side. Now I don't know whether there's any evidence to show it, but like, it's such an expected response from them. Like considering what probably did happen. Yeah, yeah. Does that mean the Idemo's goal was chalked off? Like like Monaghan twenty twelve, and like <laughs> all our goals against them don't count anymore, which is kind of a status nightmare. I I was always delighted that Gary Twig never scored against Monaghan that season, when they uh, left the left the league. That would have drove me mental. Didn't somebody score in that game and it was taken away from them and there, were, there was something about it that they then didn't get an award? I can't remember who it was. Um, I don't remember that now. I remember Jason Byrne scored against them. So at one stage he was chasing the record. That was it. Yeah, I think so that was it. He didn't... I don't think he came all that close to Brendan Bradley in the end. I think he was like 20 goals off, but... If he had got close, that that could have been uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Michael O'Neill's third straight qualifying defeat with Northern Ireland. I think we said this at the time. Never go back. <laughs> no. Never yeah. go back. He seems to be setting the same trend from when he first went there. I remember there was Luxembourg games and stuff that were just shockers, and he managed to turn it around. But yeah, it's not looking good, is it? That that was a Kazakhstan at home. Yeah. Someone put up a stat actually that Michael O'Neill's record when he began the job there is identical to Stephen Kenny's with Ireland although I do recall Michael Neal getting the 1-0 win over Russia 
at the start. Yeah. Whereas I don't see this Ireland team beating anybody at the level of a Russia. The close the closest thing that you would have seen is that France game. Um, but even then we were already one nil down and we were just mm. scraping the draw. It's a a bit like a couple of years ago when we when we drew with Germany and the water for whispers was Ireland beat Germany one one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a period of time there wasn't over five or six years if you had bet on one all draws in Ireland matches you'd be a millionaire making a fortune yeah yeah so just a couple of bits of news before we uh, go into the Bowes game uh, this one just saw this today actually Dungannon Swifts announced that Michael O'Connor has been placed on the transfer list and we are open to inquiries from any interested clubs I was I was in work just staring at this on my lunch break First of all, to announce that a player is on a transfer list, and there's a picture of him smiling. <laughs> I'm like, this is so odd. Yeah. He's... To announce that, and it's like, Gareth said it was like something on, like an ad on done deal. How many clubs has he had now? Oh, God. I wonder how um, many clubs he's had now where he's been also been transfer listed. On yeah. Uh, someone reminded us there's a video of him getting nicked and legging it with cuffs on. I think that was his brother in Loud one night. I think he got in trouble That's with the guards. So yeah, he's gone through some of the clubs. Yeah, and um, he looked. I mean, he looked very good at different points. Like I know when he didn't he come on for Dundalk when he was maybe seventeen against the Polish side. Um, he was bigged up to be. That's very, right. Very yeah. Good. I think he was actually my first interview when I started the the Robbers post match gig, and it was like ninety seconds long. Like I asked him eight questions, I put thought to the questions, and it, it was just he blitzed through it, and like that was a learning curve. He was gone. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I remember going to Rollstone like myself and Gar doing the quizzes, and he'd be sort of hanging around there uh, after training. And one of the quiz questions was, which two which two countries did uh, Czechoslovakia split into, and he he couldn't even attempt an answer and we were like and I'm just you know just guess and I was like no I couldn't even guess <laughs> he couldn't even guess Czechoslovakia which countries <laughs> they became and I remember I think it was Alan Rice in the forum he was like it's like I'm not sure we should be relying on a strike force uh, on a man who doesn't know which countries Czechoslovakia split into <laughs> I see, I see people just completely blank it's not even the question sometimes in these quizzes they just completely blank at the nature of being asked them that way though so I'm not giving them an excuse actually do you know what no I take it all back there's no excuse <laughs> so the derby at Bowles um, thankfully thank God we followed this up with a win and we don't have to really do a big post-mortem on this because we got the four points over the weekend we will dissect it but like a lot of people come out of the ground were saying if we make it four points over the weekend and I was like oh god mm. don't don't jinx it because what if we don't but yeah two all so we let a two goal lead slip uh, all four goals coming in the second half um, obviously this was right after the mid-season break players were back from their holidays uh, I think Justin Ferzai might have been in Dubai damn was he I'm not yeah. Not too sure, like he never mentioned it or anything, but I think he might have been in Dubai. Uh, raffle tickets. Yeah, thanks everyone for not peppering our Instagram DMs with spare requests. Can't recall seeing any, so thank you for that. But there was one message, and he's back. 
It's Rob Manchester who offers the professional ironing service in the UK. Remember, he tried to book on our bus to Cork. Uh, his missus got in touch again, and he says, she said, Rob is looking for spares for Bowles versus Shamrock. <laughs> oh, no. So, Rob, the ironing uh, expert, is uh, looking to go to League of Ireland games. So, the build-up was very low-key because... Well, the build-up was mostly about Aslan, to be honest. But because of the break... And because of the European draw was on the Tuesday, all we were talking and thinking about was the draw. And it felt like this derby really snuck up on us. Like, I don't think I even put any thought into the game until we were in the taxi from town over to the ground like half an hour beforehand. Like, did it feel that way to you? It's it's a different ball game when you when you have a ticket sorted, I'd say, because on the flip side, people trying to get sorted for tickets completely different on that day. It just mm. probably nearly ruins your week trying to get sorted, but... Um, I had to just accept that I wasn't going to be able to watch it. Um, I was in the middle of watching Hugh McVicker and Katama from Galway. I think he's from Galway, <laughs> and the live score, uh, the live score updates were coming in. And funny enough, I was actually with a Derry City fan at the time, and they went one up against Cork, and he was getting our updates. So, yeah, from uh, happiness to uh, sadness, pretty quick. But anyway. But you probably recall the chat, don't you? I mean, nobody was even talking about the game in our little uh, group. It kind of it really felt like it snuck up until obviously the arrows leading up to it. Um, so Bowles have, of course, had Aslan on the on the shirt. Uh, Ricky called it didn't he? back in January. He said that they would do this because they are shameless. Uh, great show by Turner. Submarine on the jersey next week. It's <laughs> crazy. Uh, they, they had a Stardust fire as well, and I, you know it's. It's important to remember it, but there's no way they've done that every year. You know, it was just a couple of weeks ago, just to get a mm. couple of likes, which is disgusting, really. They did it all proceeds and all that, as they say, but they just have a, they just have a way of making it all about them, don't they? Like they can't help themselves. The way they claim Christie is a fan, and like I'm not, I didn't know Christie Dignan, but I'm not convinced he likes League of Ireland football at all. I don't think he cares. I mean, if somebody gave him a ring to come down. You know, and get involved. Brilliant that he does it, by the way, that he did it, by the way, um, mm. that he came down to Rovers as well. But, you know, he probably doesn't mind the slagging off his mates either, but there's no <laughs> way he's any kind of affiliations or ties. Yeah. Know? So we had uh, Christie's daughter singing at half time. Uh, Dave Fanning apologised, by the way, for his comments on uh, RTE. And my apologies to Dion Fanning, because I called him Dion <laughs> last week. It was Dave <laughs> Fanning. Um, a good apology as well, by the way, because yeah. you know these non-apology apologies. Like he, he proper held his hands up. That's probably one of my biggest pet peeves: is non-apology apologies. I hate them. Yeah, and no, the, you can see them so squir- obviously squirming away from you know eye contact yeah. going away and apologising without yeah. apologising. Just, like, just man up. I'm sorry if you were offended. You know what I mean? Just you know what I mean. So, yeah, I saw some people say that we booed Christy in the moment's silence, but uh, people who were there will know there was four people called out. Uh, there was Christy, there was Ronnie Nolan, and there was Delaney's dad. So yeah. that's got, that got the, the few boos. So, obviously, yeah. But it was the shortest silence, minute silence ever. Like, it couldn't have been more than 25 seconds. Nowhere near a minute. I was stood in the same spot again, I think, funny enough, in the mono stand. Which wasn't intentional. I just ended up in the exact same spot. How and was it this time? How was the fence? The fence was lower. Uh, I noticed, and there was no. It wasn't broken or anything as we left. 
no, uh, but cer- certainly a lot lower than than last time. Yeah, uh, it's funny how close Brazzer is to the stand. Were you at the one in April? Were you? No, no. But like the dugout and Brazzer just sort of patrolling, the, uh, uh, patrolling his his area. He feels like he's just right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it also struck me how because I'm kind of I was to the right of the mono stand, and I look to my left and I see. Do you know the stand that doesn't get used at Danny Mount? Connacht. Connacht, yeah. yeah. And it just struck me because I sit in the main stand in Tala. So I have a similar view when I'm looking at the north stand. And I just started staring at it for a minute. And I was like, this, <laughs> like, Bose <laughs> is like these bars and these weeds and these concrete steps. It represents... Oh, the, shop, the shopping centre around where they, they yeah. hang their flags still. Yeah, it represents like the past and neglect and I look at the exact same view in Tala and it represents the future it's and great, you man. stand and it just struck me for a minute I was like oh my god it's uh you know god knows how long that's still gonna be standing there and the thing is even if it's not standing there will actually anything actually be there are they just gonna put in another stand that you were standing in on Friday hmm. they probably will let's be honest they probably bite your hand off that for that now and then you compare that again to what we have in Tala. It's just incredible. And they can say all they like at the end of the day. There's 10,000 people in our stadium and there's none in theirs. Yeah. 2026, I think they're saying now, isn't it? It was supposed to be 2020. Uh, the team, I suppose the most notable one when we got the team sheet in was Gary O'Neill missing again. Funny enough, um, the game in April, it was, remember the, the sickness? Remember like there was a yeah. few players... Who was hit with that? I think it was like it was Gary O'Neill, Johnny Kenny, Aaron Green. So it was kind of deja vu. We still at the team sheet and it's like, where's Gary O'Neill? And surprisingly, Dylan Watts was back after a long layoff. So they were like, that is a that is a big game for Dylan to come back into. Yeah, I think there was one or two games earlier in the season where O'Neill was on the bench just because he like he wasn't in the starting eleven. I think he was fit because it was definitely a string or two or three games. But like once he's in normally that's it he's not getting out of that team hmm. I'll just have a quick summary from Joe's here which I thought was decent and we, we can sort of expand on it as we go along but he felt first half we controlled it for large parts without ever troubling Talbot however we did cough up some chances which were self-inflicted Paul's made some good saves the one before half time he thought was class second half came out with the traps got two excellent goals at that stage I thought we were on our way to three points and could get third However, one minute changed the complexion of the game. If Gaffney slips in Jack Byrne, it's probably 3-0, but he shoots. Decent stop by Talbot, and then straight from the kickoff, Apple Abbey makes it 2-1. Different game, Clark makes it 2 all. Joe says he feared the worst. He thought there was only going to be one winner. However, we saw the game out, got a good point in the end. So he says it's mixed emotions when you go 2 up, and you expect to see the game out. But when it went to went 2 all. He thought that they would go on to win it. I think a lot of people did feel that, yeah. Yeah, I watched the game back and you, you could feel the momentum watching it and the, the save the Poles had to make. I think it was about the 83rd minute. Mm. A cracking save. I think it was Connolly that hit it and to be honest with you, I don't think many other keepers would have gotten that. Yeah, um, that was a super save, yeah, it was. Yeah, he, he made a couple of good saves in that game. Um, I think the only time maybe you could be harsh about the position was the supposed second goal, but at the same time, I mean, the ball was pinning, pinballing around the box mm. and he just hit it. I mean, it, yeah, it'd probably be very hard to say. Yeah, that was just his last bit. He just wanted to give credit to Pauls because two two tricky efforts in the first half. 
he made them look kind of comfortable. But and then the brilliant save from Conley near the end. I think the I think the last game in Daly Mount didn't Bowes have a very similar chance very early on in the game where he just skimmed past the post and it could have been a very yeah game. he made a great save in Tad as well it's right yeah um so he says Leon hasn't let us down at all since he came in last month um so yeah the first half I mean we had those two brilliant saves by Leon so Bowes did have the better chances uh, we lost Finn to injury uh, Cabo came on but if this had occurred two minutes earlier actually would have been Sean Gannon who came on but Gannon had actually legged it out of the ground because his partner was in labour oh wow so what what was your thoughts in the first half Dan? yeah I thought the first half it was 50-50 I mean Bowes could have taken the the lead early with that McDonald chance like it just flashed past the post like it was I don't I mean I thought that we were sitting quite deep for that chance I don't think like regardless of whether you're playing a teller or daily man that you should be sitting that back that much against them similar to the to the game early on the season we were sitting back we were sitting back a lot I don't think we really got going in that game until like a good bit into the first half mm. um, yeah I think the Watts making that mistake nearly gifted another goal uh, the first goal again to Bowes uh, another great great save from Poles uh, the hand, there was a handball shout as well for Bowes but like looking back on it I mean it was ball to hand if anything but yeah. I mean if they can get away with not handball and open dairy that time you never know what the refs could do <laughs> at the moment um, yeah it definitely wasn't a penalty but yeah, then the another great save just before. I think there was a corner for Bowes just before half time as well, and there was another great save from Poles. Mm-hmm. I, I think some people were feeling I was, I was with Philly Maguire for this one, and I, I gave him my stat as I often do that we haven't drawn nil all against Bowes since 2015, uh, which was actually then a senior cup game, not even a league match. <laughs> I remember um, we didn't we draw nil all in 2010, I think. Away in Daily Mount. I remember Desi Bay got a, a great chance the last few months. Yeah. I think it was a nil nil maybe in two thousand nine as well. Um but yeah, even draws in general. I have a stat later on about draws, which I think is fascinating. Um so second half, um forty eight minutes, so only a couple of minutes into the half, and we have the opening goal from Neil Frugia, glancing header from Cabo's cross and funny enough Fruge's only other goal of the season had been Daily Mount so very similar as yeah. well getting across the box and heading mm. it so both his goals have been in uh, Fisborough uh, I thought Gaffney did grey here to get the ball back and it's a brilliant cross by Cabo uh, I think this is a really good goal and uh, we're ahead kept it alive didn't he and um, the second one is 54 minutes coming from a jack free kick uh, comes in Pigo sort of throws a leg at it not even sure how much contact he makes really but he gets it back out to Poom and live I thought this was a half body yeah. I thought I thought that's a stunning goal a great goal I watch it back on TV it's even better than I thought it was because he catches this perfectly on his left foot and it's top corner it's an absolute belter like it's a goal the season contender I think towel against Derry I think that's, that's going to be hard to top. Yeah. As a team goal, very hard to top that goal. Yeah, the the layoff from Pigo was stunning. Like, uh, he definitely meant it. Now, compared right. to what hit him, yeah, yeah. he couldn't have given a sweeter layoff for, yeah. for him to hit it. Uh, it's, it's a cracker. Uh, and the scenes for, for both goals, I think Maloney threw up in, in the, it was like a European fan sort of chat on Facebook. The scenes for Farouja's goal. So that made it on there. Uh, the Poom goal, 
even I ran from my stand down the front, which is not something I ever do actually, but it was just sort of like because it was such a spectacular goal and it was two up against bows. It was just one of those where you have to sort of run around and go mad, <laughs> and of course, in the end, <laughs> it didn't count for anything. It's gonna, it's gonna be in like the category of Dan Carr, forgotten great derby goals that no one oh, will ever talk kick. about. Yeah, uh, the commentator thankfully said first league goal. I was, I had the knives out ready because he is scoring the Leinster Senior Cup, so I was, I was looking to see what he said first goal for the club. Um, and we were so dominant now at this point. We were so in control of the game. Suspiciously so, I thought. Because we're, we're heading towards three derby wins out of three. And I'm just thinking, this can't be this easy, can it? Yeah. And of course it wasn't. Because <laughs> goals changed games. But um, yeah. But like like just uh, Justin Mason says, if Gaffney gives that ball on the jack, it's 3-0 and it's game over. The game turns on a minute. But we obviously have to talk about the songs because at this stage we're two up and we've already sung everything. We've done Yes Sir I Can Boogie, we've done El Triangle, we've done Crazy World, like all stuff that you say for the last five minutes. We've done them all and even Tommy Cannon in Winter Wonderland got a bell, a bell there for some reason. Like the whole songbook. I was probably guilty myself now. I'm singing away myself but... But uh, you get caught up in it. But Jesus, lesson learned here then. You can't do it. I I remember when we were pretty shit under Crawley and Fennan and it was actually the flip side. We sing "We'll Never Die" early, and I would go mad because I'm like, the game isn't over yet. We could that's score like an injury here. time thing, isn't it? Yeah, like I, I I felt there was maybe five times left in a lot of these five minutes left in a lot of these games, and it was yeah. like, hang on. And one or two times we actually did equalize, and it's like, well. Love the song. Wait till the end. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Wait till the end. It's not over yet. Um, yeah. So sixty-seven minutes, they pull a goal back. Uh, Afalabi, who was obviously uh, was excellent on the night. He gave Pico a torrid time. He he was brilliant to man the match. Um, so what happens to Pico here, Dan? Like he's a bit unlucky, isn't he? The way the ball kind of does it get kind of caught under his feet? Or? Yeah, he's, like he's very. Very like we were very flat footed to try and get the ball back, um, but we just you can't afford them to give them that space, you know. Mm. And they you could see it themselves that they were absolutely raging that they gave that up. Yeah, it was a stunning strike, though. Um, yeah, you know, if you're going to get a goal to get back into it, that's the goal you're going to score. It was a great finish, yeah. And uh, six minutes later, 73 Clark makes it two all, and this comes from Tell's under hip pass. And we're punished for it. And just even watching this back in the highlights, I was cringing watching this tell pass. I was like, no! Yeah. <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah. And then Afalabi with the assist, before the assist, like we say in the show. The ball across. Uh, he's involved again yeah. in this goal. And it's a great finish, yeah. So two all then. Yeah, it, it felt like similar, similar defending. And you could be very harsh on, on Pigo kind of not running out to stop the shot, but... All I can think in my head is going back to the original pass that set the whole thing up. You just yeah. you can't allow that to happen. And I don't think Tell he done it a bit last season. I don't think he's done it as much this season. But in those circumstances, it's obviously going to look a lot worse. He's under the spotlight. You just can't afford to do that. Hmm. Some people said to me Pigo his first game back from international duty. Um, it's not something I've really kept track of. But have you noticed that? Is he a bit? 
leggy. Like lacking match sharpness. Well, not match sharpness, but you know what I mean, leggy. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had flat footed like a, a bit, you know. But I mean, it's again, it, you'd be very harsh. You'd be very harsh on him for it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a spectacle, the second half was was a cracker. It was a great game, but watching it live. The way the game was going, you were fearful of balls getting a third, and then this song or this game will be one of the kind of an epic one for them to treasure. Like that's not what you wanted. Um, but I only finished two all, thankfully. Uh, like we mentioned, the Dylan Connolly shot that was six minutes from time. Like it was going top corner at Leon's near post, and he just brilliantly to stop it. It was great that we kept going for it. Because uh, I think right up until the end we had a corner and we were still trying to score to get the winner. Yeah. Every years ago, I think it was Nutsy uh, had Eamon Zayed warming up. It might have been Crawley actually, sorry. I, I apologise if I get the wrong bit. <laughs> uh, they're in the change, was, really, But no. they had um, they'd Zayed warming up and then we scored and then he got told him to sit down and then I think he got McGuinness to warm up and I was looking over at this just going, what, what has become of this club? <laughs> uh, but thankfully uh, Stephen Bradley isn't about that at all. So it was nice to see us going for it until the end. We're definitely not going to delve into the, the Crowley and Fenland days. <laughs> terrible, the, terrible time. <laughs> just, just write it. Don't give it to anybody and bury it. Uh, the stat I mentioned earlier, I was going to say, was because I noticed at the end of the game, it felt post match felt kind of strange because obviously the Bowls players are going over to their fans. What is it, the FNG or whatever it's called? And they're delighted after coming back from two down. The players are coming over to us, and we're obviously. It feels like a loss, really, because we've squandered a two-goal lead. But we're not, we're not furious. We're still top, and we have Derry come on Monday. And I just watched this, and I was like, "This is interesting." Neither sets of supporters are angry. Yeah. Normally, after a derby, one set of supporter is just fuming at the result. And then I had a quick look. I was like, one of the previous nineteen derbies have been a draw. Only one. They're all either balls or, or a Rovers win. Was a home and Tala. Yeah, it was when we went down to 10 men, I think. Was it one all? Yeah. I think did. Richie Tell scored. What year was that? Uh, it was Colwood, so I think we we're only back in the in the stadium after Colwood, so yeah. late 21. Yeah, yeah. Two all as we finished. Um, so we all headed our separate ways then. Some of us went straight home to Crumlin. Some people went to the IH and Rings End. Others went to Navin for some reason. Uh, but yeah... Yeah, I went straight off to Arctic Monkeys. <laughs> Which, yeah, uh, yeah it's good. Thank God we didn't lose the game because uh, they were playing songs a lot slower, so it would have been fairly depressing. <laughs> but thank God I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the gig always. Uh, the two Ultras had a bit of a banner battle going on because uh, the Bowes Ultras had, had obviously had a spy and they'd seen what our Ultras had written. So the Bowes fans had a response. Uh, in the stands uh, but yeah still 14 years and no trophy for Bowes but they can uh, maybe put their historic 2-all draw on a flag <laughs> like the Santry 6-4 because massive 2-all win I, I in think D7 I, I think I asked you this a little while ago I when was the last significant result when was the last result that Bowes had against us that actually played significance to them winning something because yeah. they got knocked they didn't win the cup and they knocked us out um, I don't think they knocked us out of the Satanta Cup when they won it the last time they won it, it prob- like, I mean you're nearly kind of going back to 2009 or maybe the Lenser Senior Cup if you want to count that which is kind of funny 
Um, you said you might have a little rant on this. I, yeah, I thought that was a great point because their run against us with the seven wins and a draw in eight games, that was from late 2017 to mid-2019. So then we end the run. And again, it made no difference. Like We didn't, we weren't winning league titles or anything. You could argue 2019, we were challenging Dundalk, but I don't know, they, they pulled away from us yeah. very fast that season. They were so, gone. Once they pulled away, they were gone. I think they beat us in Tala and that was it. So, yeah, I mean, so we beat them in Tala and like you said, we beat them in the Cup semi-final 2020 behind closed doors. We won that game. They were actually our nearest challengers by the time we met. I think it was maybe around September. Uh, we beat them five times in a row then. Um, so you're right, like, Every to- every significant game we've won, like they beat us in a dead rubber at the end of 2021. They obviously have had wins against us here and there, but we've gone on to win the league each time. Yeah. Like it's hard, look, it's horrible to lose against them any time, but mm. it is nice that you know when we're actually doing it to win things. Ah, uh, yeah, there's no. We're not going to come here and say ah, uh, we don't care about the derbies as long as we win the league. We don't mind losing four times. Nobody's mm. saying that, but it's a great point. That all their wins against us, especially 2017 2019, ultimately, what did it mean? Yeah, Monaghan United. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, yeah, I'd say as well, like, it would be great if they didn't qualify for Europe because they are kind of starting to drop down the table. But then at the same time, wouldn't it, would it not be bad if, you know, again, don't want to be getting ahead of myself, but if we did manage to do it this year, the team that would come second is Bose, so you could say that. They were the team that stopped us, that could not stop us doing forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maloney would kill me saying that. He's probably already telling me to shut up, so <laughs> I'll get ahead of things. But just a, I'm sure just some a people, hypothetical situation. Some people were asking me before the game, have we ever beaten Bowes four times? Like as soon, as soon as someone asked me that, I was like, well, we're not winning now, are we? Because you asked that. Yeah. But we've, we've never beaten them four times. They've never beaten us four times. I think it was, was it three last year. I think that was the first time since 1989-90 we beat them three times. Yeah, when funny enough <coughs> Daily Mount was our home ground so um, I did actually didn't see Gar at all at any stage I know people think we're joined to the hip <laughs> but I didn't see Gar pre-match I didn't see him in the stand I only saw him once when he drove past me at the bus stop and that was it and he had Maya his youngest with him and uh, he sent me a little voice note and he said someone asked Maya uh, is, is this your first game at Daily Mount and she goes yeah it's horrible <laughs> that was her answer and uh, yeah just a quick one before we move on to Derry now this comes from Figer like I mentioned the Ultras there a moment ago he says uh, unfortunately we've had a death in the extended Rowers family uh, one of their good friends Frankfurt Alex passed away uh, during the week so Figer says he was a huge part of the Shamrock Adler and the Black and White Supporters Club at Eintracht he had a lot of love for Rovers, having been over here to Dublin a few times, including the 2019 Cup Final, and he was enthusiastically planning his first visit since before COVID, when we were in Berlin just two weeks ago. So um, my condolences to um, the Figra and the Ultras there. Um, sadly, we've lost Frankfurt, Alex. Um, so then we had Derry on the Monday, Dan. So this was the top two clash. We beat Derry 1-0. In Tata, your flight was delayed, which uh, I'm sorry, but actually did help us. It meant you could watch the game on your phone. Yeah, yeah. I was um, in Bristol Airport, Aer Lingus delayed, so 
I was able to get it on the phone and then even when the plane took off, I I bought I finally bought the season pass of stubborn old season. It's down to sixty euro. I can watch back the game, I've done it. Um paused it, put my phone do not disturb. So I was sat in the car in the airport to watch the, the rest of the match then. I think I was only about a half an hour behind in the end, so but uh yeah, it was good. Con and um Con and um Garland are brilliant, you know, very it's very mm. enjoyable watching the game, so yeah, it was good to get it. So you don't you don't transcribe to that uh, Muppet on Twitter who was like, Why are the two commentators Shams fans? <laughs> like, do you know what? I don't know if you heard the RTE soccer podcast this week. What angered Graham Garton the most about that game? What well, you you listened to him? It was the referee's decision for um I think it was great and went down and he got booked. <laughs> that angered Garth more than anything. That really? a, that a dairy player was booked. Yeah. So I mean that just goes to show you how professional and unbiased they are in their presentation. Yeah, they are. And I remember you. I remember you had a chat with Con. It wasn't the last show, but it was a little while ago. Where you know he kind of says who he has to be impartial. I totally get it. I mean it's it's his job and stuff. And I mean it must be horrible to see. I think it was the Bose Rocket that went in the corner when he's mm. to kind of give a couple of shouts. But look, yeah, it's yeah. part of the job. You know, we all know it's a bit like Philip Green and White. You know, we all know the affiliations behind. <laughs> So we had something new on Tata. We had LED advertising. So this was a, a little, like in the ground, a little distracting at times. Like it kind of fucks with your vision a little bit. Because you're like, you don't know which way to look. Um, but obviously it's f- extremely professional looking. We're the only ground in Ireland with it. Um, it's not long term. I think it's only being kept for the women's game against France. But uh, it's, it's, it's a new addition to Tata, uh, Dan. Yeah, I remember we was in the Europa League that they had to get those in. I don't know where they had them for the conference, but definitely the Europa League they had that. Mm. Um, yeah, it used to kind of blind me a little bit. You, you, it was hard to get used to. And they kind of yeah. had to move them just in front of the advertising hoarding as well, so yeah. they're right up in your face. Uh, there was a book of collection for Jacko McDonough. We've mentioned this on the show a few times. Sadly, he is uh, is very poorly these days, Jacko. Uh, 80s legend. Shamrock Rowers and some of his teammates were there to collect money. You had Alan O'Neill, Robbie Gaffney, Liam Whelan. So I hope you were all generous in your donations on the night. And there was a minute silence for Ronnie Nolan, our former captain, although it turned into a minute's applause. I noticed um, that. Yeah. Um, so the start of the game um, was extremely worrying, uh, I thought, because was like the first 10-15 minutes they were sharper to every ball and you're just thinking is this the way the game is going to go uh, you made the point that we seem to be struggling with their formation a little yeah, bit yeah they, they changed things up I think they started with a three at the back um, but we just could not hack it at all uh, there was a massive gap between Gaffney and the rest of the midfield and I think it was only when Gaffney started dropping in that things started to change and Derry didn't yeah. get as much freedom as they had but Derry also like absolutely set a very very high tempo from the start Bowes have done this with us a few times this season as well I think once you kind of wave that and you kind of get yourself into the game which is what happened you know we, we slowly started coming into it and then the first chat we got the first yeah. chance from it it's, it's times like that you're thinking do we miss Gary O'Neill especially yeah, um, but it, was, it was a very quick reaction from Bradzer though yeah, you know, was, we changed yeah. things very very quick because you could have sat on that for the first half we could have been 1 or 2 nil down and it would have been a totally different game so it was a great reaction to see compare that to Stephen Kenny it took him until half time 
to make changes against Greece when he was being tactically outclassed by Gus Poya, let's be honest. Yeah. In yeah. that game. That left back situation yeah. still gives me nightmares looking at it. It's a big game it's a big part of in game management now, whatever level, even League of Ireland, like you have to be able to react quickly. Sometimes that separates the men from the boys with yeah, Jose Marino isn't. Uh, he's, he's he's one manager who's not shy from taking somebody off after ten minutes, even if uh, yeah, yeah. he sees that it's wrong, whether it's the player or the formation. Uh, just by the way, we we made four changes to the starting eleven. One was a forced change because uh, Grace had an injury, uh, so we had Tell Kenny Hoare Cabinet coming in to uh, the starting eleven. So this little dairy, this spell by Derry, I thought. Diallo was pulling the strings. Brandon Kavanagh, I thought he looked good, like he was busy, he was demanding the ball. But in terms of end product, there wasn't really, wasn't really anything there, was it? But he always does seem to play well against us, have you noticed that? Yeah, he he was he wasn't bad, I thought, um mm. on Monday. He was pretty good. He was he was probably one of their only half decent players when we beat them up there the last day and they actually took him off, I think, which I was surprised by mm. in that game, so it seems to come up every year, doesn't it? The Brando thing is like, should we have kept him? But I mean, we had an embarrassment of riches in midfield at the time. He couldn't get into the side. Yeah, he 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 wasn't getting into that team, and I I I don't know how it ended up in the end. But I mean, I don't think we we're going to be able to keep him. Though saying that, I think the start of that first season when we didn't have him, we got a couple of injuries, and the first thing you were saying was, "It's pity we didn't keep him." Yeah, might have been different, but hindsight's wonderful because his last season we had plenty of players and there was no spots for him so it can happen in teams can't it if you go back to 2009 Michael O'Neill's first season uh, Podge and Owen Doyle yeah. couldn't get into the team ahead of Twig and Baker and both went on to have great careers but they had Twig and Baker in front of them it's mad isn't it yeah Um, just on the refereeing actually because I thought Brando was fortunate not to get a red late on uh, a Nasty lunge on Berkey. Um, in general, some poor decisions by Hennessy. Hennessy, like there was a, a supposed clash of heads yeah. in the second half as well. I think that I think he's being hoodwinked by the Derry player there. Yeah, I I think the Derry player. Well, we, he was very brave to come in with his head, like, but he kind of did play the foul. Um, hmm. But to be fair, look, it was a clash of heads. I mean, the fact I can't remember who it was. I think it was Bork got the flick. Was it was a Bork? somebody got the flick from Rovers mm. so to be fair referee did give us the ball when they played it yeah. but we would have been in otherwise but he did He did. the Derry player did play it really really well it just felt like some of these decisions I'm talking about here it felt like we would get a yellow card pretty soon afterwards I think we got a rash of three in the second half and it's just we're not going to go into referees but there's yeah. been some bizarre performances in Tata this season I think the I think the Kenny Lunge I know that his studs were down and I know it was only a yellow card but I can think of a lot of referees this season who we've had in games that would have seen that differently so just mm. based on the referee's head and what he could have potentially done we probably were lucky that we didn't get a man sent off I think that was only about 52 minutes in at that stage could have been very different mm. so we're, we, it was a yellow card but we were very very lucky there was a little incident I'm, gra- uh, I'm glad someone else spotted this as well now it was something that kind of no one really paid attention to, but Sean Cavanagh got pushed onto the ground. Uh, they were kind of jostling for a throw-in. And it was like, it was a really petulant, like the ball was long gone. It was a really yeah. petulant push. And it's a yellow card, which 
like you're kind of seems fair I suppose if it happened to us we'd be furious if it was a red but like why is that a yellow and Pigo rustling someone's hair a red yeah it's maddening you need it's just consistency that you need um look I you know I know you have probably talked to death about the cork and the draw of the game but I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years time something comes out about that and then it makes a lot more sense until then mm. you just have to wait and find out that's the first time ever, honestly, I have thought about a refereeing performance from that angle, where I've thought something's wrong here. It was yeah. it was so so bad. I thought something must be wrong. Yeah, if you're if if you're if there's a, if if a team is playing at home and they're fourteen to one to win, just talking about the cork really quick, and you go down to ten men, like I, I've done the betting models before. When you go down to ten men, usually the odds get slashed. Go down to nine men, eight men, eight men, cork all day. If you if you play, to play that game a hundred times, you know ninety nine out of a hundred, Cork are gonna win that game because they're playing against eight men. It's just a bit suspectful for me. Uh, we just have to wait and see. Oh yeah, we won't tell them to Cork again. Um, so despite Derry being the better side up to this point, um, like you say, once we kind of figured out their formation and we regrouped and all that, we actually made two very good chances. I. I I used the phrase assist before the assist. Just, <laughs> Brasler had the assist before the assist because he sort of he volleyed the ball to a camera who it was and then that player put Kenny in and Kenny nearly nipped in ahead of Mar. Yeah. But he got to it. And then of course is the towel chance. And this turn by Johnny Kenny. Oh what a turn. Oh, this was unbelievable. Is he is he right footed? Is he right footed? I think so. He, yeah, because he knocked it he, yeah. he also knocked a true ball on his left foot. Perfect. This was an unbelievable turn. Like, in general, he had a good game, and like I liked Gaffney and Kenny's understanding in this game. I felt like I wouldn't say it's the first time this season, but it's the first time I really noticed that this is an option for us. Maybe this could be they could be our strongest eleven together. Yeah. Um. Well, I think in general he has played them together quite a bit. Um. But yeah, tell. Um. Unfortunately, he hit the straight up Mar. It was a good save, though. You know, we hit it with a lot of power, and you know, it didn't. He did, it didn't just hit him, and, and he saved it. You know, it was a, it was a decent strike, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it, you know, you, can, you can't give up those chances in those games. Thankfully, he didn't come back to bite us. But what a ball, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like you say, we didn't we didn't uh, end up ruining that one because Gaffney scores twenty seven minutes. Uh, Hor wins the ball. Initially, uh, but other than that, this is a this is a solo effort by Gaffney. Yeah, the way he enter, takes the ball, enter Gaffney, <laughs> runs away, uh, hits it back across Mars right, like he's running away from goal. But like, there's not a lot of power in the shot, so I I was amazed this trickled in, and yeah. then you're kind of you're you're looking back at it and you're thinking, right, Mars positioning and maybe suspect. I think he takes a step the other way, and he he catches himself out because. Like there wasn't a huge amount of power in the shot, was there? It reminded me of the goal he scored against Finn Harps. Remember with the really boring commentator? Oh yeah, yeah. And um, he just kind of hit it. Now I think it was just because the accuracy was bang on. It just went into the corner. Um, <laughs> I just got a flashback of the parody of that one. <laughs> Do you remember the guy with his baby? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the commentator is just feeding his baby as he's. And Rory Gaffney has scored there. <laughs> he's just cradling the baby. <laughs> it was. Um, it was a great finish, and you could. You, it, I thought it was amazing how 
27 minutes in, you could already see how deflated the Derry players were. Like they, they already looked absolutely, they were absolutely wrecked and we're only halfway through the first mm. half. Um, they literally gave us socks for those 27 minutes to try and get that goal and then that happens. It was brilliant. Because from that point, we looked dangerous every attack. Like the second half of the first half, we bet our undoubtedly our best stuff with this game. We were full of confidence. Um, and then there's the, the Graydon um, diving incident, which we mentioned a moment ago. Um, Pico wins the ball, so it's not a penalty, but it's not a dive either. It's just it's just a physical thing where he has to fall and land somewhere. Like Not every fall has to be a dive. So again, it comes back to refereeing. I... I just I worry about their logic sometimes. So so he get he gets the cards right out in his hand now. I don't know if there's some I've never really seen this before where a referee has a card out and then he puts it back and doesn't give it. Normally he just never gets it out and then he changes his mind. Mm. I don't know if there's some rule like that. If there is, fine. It's the only thing I could think because it looked like he was going to change his mind. He put his card away. He did. He waited. He must have been down and injured for two or three minutes at least, yeah. and then he gets it out again and he books him. And Graydon, Graydon, isn't it? He was yeah. He was so furious with the referee. I actually thought he was going to get himself a second yellow. And I, I mean, he was absolutely in his right to give out because it was just incredible stuff. Like, I mean, fact common that, sense. Just, where is it with these guys? The fact that Graydon was brought off injured, I just thought made Hennessy look like an idiot. Yeah, like, does somebody have to hold these referees' hands walking out in public? <laughs> And then they're just allowed referee the games, and then they're back to. So second half, Dan, um, we like Derry had most of the possession. Like, uh, was there anything good from us? You thought? Yeah, I think Gaffney Gaffney had another chance. Um, he went by nearly three players. Um, at this point, you were thinking he's just gonna gonna go on and hit the shot, which he did. Went out for a corner. Um, it was all started again from another really poor Derry pass. I. I think there was a couple of times in the game where they just gifted us possession and you're kind of looking at us saying, how can they squander it? Because we were like, we were under a lot of pressure when they had the ball in these times. And from this, they just, I think they, I think it was a six yard pass. They just gave to someone and then mm. it went through to Gaffney. Well, it's described as it didn't actually lay a glove on us, which is, I mean, they played good football, but did they have a shot? Did you see the stats afterwards? I think, yeah, I think Leon a, had one save, maybe. Which wouldn't even count as a save, would you? Yeah, it was. It, it was a save, but the, I, I mean, it was officially zero shots on target, wasn't it? But yeah. I mean, they were. They did look quite dangerous the first twenty minutes, so it, it, it would be hard to say that they weren't in it at all. Um, it was nervy in the stands. I mean, especially last ten minutes. Yeah. But we um, we never really I didn't really see us sit back they, they had a long throw in and it might have been right at the death and mm. that's probably the first time you're looking at it going oh shit like let's get out of this but it's incredible that they didn't put that pressure on maybe 70-80 minutes into the game yeah you hear Gareth on the commentary saying that why didn't they do this earlier but um, yeah so we had to dig in a bit um, I thought Brad's comments before the game were interesting I can't remember who we were speaking to but he says, he says, when we play badly and win, that haunts them more than <laughs> like playing uh, playing well and losing, which yeah. is kind of a mad way of looking at it. So he's talking about the Sligo win, where they were the better team for sure. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like the Moneyball film, isn't it? Where uh, <laughs> I, I'd, be, I'd be curious now in a few years, like if 
as I kind of told you, his way of how he looked at a season. Yeah. You know, rather than I, I know he definitely doesn't look at a game because he just says, right, we lose, we've got, you know, we've got an objective and that's it. But I mm. wonder whether, like, the game itself, like, what way he looks at it, is it based on, you know, for every 10 shots on target, you normally get X amount of goals. Is that the way he looks at it? Mm-hmm. Definitely something to ask them in the, the foreigner old table quiz in the far provinces. <laughs> Fucking jinx. So <laughs> then we had, uh, yeah, Friuja, like we said, unfortunately hobbled off. Jack as well also came off. Uh but didn't need treatment, we're hearing. And then you, you, we saw Brazzer in the papers during the week saying, Jack is fine. But at the time, you're looking at Frugia and Jack coming off. And Europe is like two weeks away. And you're like, we have eight injuries. Yeah. And you're panicking. But it's not as bad as it seems. It didn't look good at first. Mm. You can nearly hear it on the telly, to be honest. Mm. Um, thank God he was okay. Though. Like any Anything precautionary to take him off. Even with these two games coming up, I have no problem if he doesn't play either of them, to be honest with you. We, we should we should have enough to win those games. Yeah, but they are starting 11s. I, don't, I, t- I think neither of us will have Jack in the in the 11. Uh, we did get Simon Perro back. A uh, bit of a forgotten man. Did um, well as well. Yeah. As me and Gary say, we don't know what he is. <laughs> <laughs> what position does he play? We're not quite sure. Uh, another clean sheet for Leon. And yeah, and like we, I read this the thing from Joe's earlier. He he hasn't let us down at all. Fairness, he, he doesn't make me nervous anymore. No, I think. I mean, the, the bread and butter stuff. I I think he's gonna deal with everything now. I think the Pats game was the only game where I was a little bit worried because I felt like the players were a little bit reluctant to pass the ball back to him. Yeah. Um, I don't see any of that anymore. It, it's so. I mean. Years with Crowley and Fenland, sorry I've brought this up twice now, but <laughs> you know, it's all about it's all about your defenders trusting you as a goalkeeper. Um if that's not there then you, the the strikers can sense it. Um, oh, the most notable one was Tomer at the start of twenty eighteen. We were defending terribly because of their lack of faith in Tomer. Yeah. You know, that was so obvious, wasn't it? And so when you're such a low line you're already in trouble. Hmm. Um yeah, he. I, I thought. I think he's done really, really well. You know, from the penalty save in Derry all the way through until now, um, he might keep Manus out of the team when Manus comes back. But maybe but that's a debate closer to the if time. If you recall, Brads are stuck with with Bazunu in uh, Sweden. Yeah. Even though Manus what had was signed and ready at that stage, um, he just said I couldn't drop him. He yeah. he hasn't put a foot wrong. Uh, the RT headline was efficient Rovers dispatched toothless Derry. Uh, well put by Johnny Ward. His, his match report in general was like it was bang on. It was yeah, he's ab- very good. He's very hot and cold with us, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. One year, uh, one year we had him on the Gary Twig bus back to Dublin. I remember the next that year G- Judy and Kenny. <laughs> was that the two the late Gary uh, Gary Shaw goal? Yeah, the, yeah, it was. Was no, it wasn't the cup. I think it was a. Was that the night of two nil? I think we were one nil down at half time. Yeah, and was it just amazing? In a dress and all yes, that, Yes, he it? was. And Gary yeah. Shaw had... I th- I don't know whether he started, but he was definitely back from injury. And he scored mm. two goals to win See, it. See, he did that twice that season. We won 2-1 up there twice. Jules? Both Gary Shaw braces. Oh, time and Jules in the dress. Uh, no, just the ones <laughs> for Jules in the dress. Honestly, that's still one of my favourite memories in football. That that goal we win. It was just something about... like We weren't going to win the league or anything, but the, the pitch invasion and the late goal... Was that the famous Tommy Kelly one all? 
I think it was, yeah. <laughs> Tommy Tommy Kelly went missing over the homestand and he got back on the bus and he thought we drew and he was celebrating. <laughs> celebrating the draw. <laughs> yeah, so it was a massive, massive win. Like we said, four points from the two games. Uh, you, again, made a great point. You were texting me saying you'd have rather the win be against Derry out of those two. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's a six-pointer. And, um, you know, if... Having having worked in betting now, it's it's very very hard to take your head off the odds. You know, I think Derry have moved out to five to one now after that result. Um, if we beat Bowes on Friday and we drew against Derry, I say they probably would have been the same odds. Mm. So, it was a very very significant win, a very significant four points. Obviously, six would have been great, but like Bowes, if you're looking at that table and you're worried about Bowes winning, don't be. It's only worrying about Derry winning because Bowes aren't going to finish anywhere. Yeah, they're down to fifth. Um, so it's a seven-point lead. But I mean, like you lose one game, and Derry win, and it's four, and then people are using words like you know, title race is blown open, so we can change quickly. Yeah, and was it, it thirteen it, games left, thirty-nine points to play for? Gary in the chat, you noticed he was gone mad about this. People looking to call the title race. He drives no him mad. Way. If you're gonna do that, put your money on it. You know, I think no, I just mean Robbers fans. He means like other clubs, fans, and podcasters. Yeah, trying to call the the season in June. I mean, they were calling the season in March. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a long way to go. Anything can happen. If if anybody has gone through the twenty ten season, they will know that league is never over until your hands are on it. It feels like a vicious cycle because it feels like people are eager to say it's over and just call it right. League's done now. League's done. And then, and then we go about our business. We win a few games, and then we might slip up. Yeah. And then the gap is closed, and then the same people are like, "Oh, the league's not over. <laughs> what were they talking about? This is wide open." I was like, "No, you were, you said it was over." Yeah, we we are in for another. We're in for another scenario where, if, if fingers crossed, we progress in Europe, we might be in another situation where we're resting our team away in Europe to try and still win the league. Even if, let's say, I don't know what, we're seven points ahead at the moment. Yeah. Um, that's why I would like us to hopefully, like, you know, mathematically wrap it up as early as we can. There we slip up a few more times and we don't, we, we just keep going. It would be nice if we're in that situation, but, you know, you're getting greedy now, so we'll just have to wait and see. I don't know if it'll be seven points going into the first round because Dundalk away, although we won very comfortably 4 0 last time. Drogheda are a bogey team. Yeah. Can we finally put this but they've lost, thing to bed? They've lost two big players, haven't they, last Draper week? Draper went back to Lincoln, yeah. Um, I think we're due a win over them at this stage. I mean, you, you can't lose against... You can't lose against Drogheda at home, draw away to them. Now, the circumstances we drew were because of red cards and stuff, but oh, I, I'd be very, very surprised if we didn't win that game next week. Um, you two, know, we, we, two tough games to go into, yeah. Yeah. Um, Pico was LOI TV man the match. Although a lot of people felt probably should have gone to Dan Cleary, who was excellent. But shaky start. Then again, the whole team were a bit shaky, weren't they? In the opening 10, 15 minutes. We looked very but, tired, and then we seemed to just, you know, knock that, knock that out of us. Unless Derry had, on mm. you know, Derry, to be fair, it almost like it turned the tables. They looked very mm. tired after the Gaffney goal for the rest of the game that's the fear in the Monday game isn't it is this going to be the one where it catches up to us although yeah. there had been a two week break so who was complaining about this during the week was it 
I think it might have been Murray Higgins. You know, you have you have two games in four days, then you have a two week break, then you have two weeks two games in four days. Like it's a bit a bit hectic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, look the most important about the thing about these games is that we don't have to play any games in July for Europe and uh Kind of actually surprised that he's moaning. I kind of understand about the international breaks to play games potentially, but um, I mean, he's he should be as happy as us that he's not going to have any league games from there in Europe because it's mm. looking like they'll, get, they'll be playing at least four matches. Do you think Bowles will benefit from not playing in Europe? Um, they'll benefit if they didn't bottle it in the last six weeks. Like if, <laughs> yeah. they, if they were still up with us now and they had a chance in July to win games which is going to be against easier opposition because it's opposition that are not in Europe they could have had a chance to be three or six points clear with two get you know to get the, the two games mm. in hand but I'm sure Europe was the aim all along wasn't it that's, that's <laughs> what they were saying when they were <laughs> miles ahead yeah um, yeah so I interviewed Pico afterwards because he was the man in the match you may have noticed this on Twitter uh, we have two microphones now as my man Graham says, we're moving up in the world. The sound, the audio quality is so crisp. I'm so impressed by it. I love it. And yeah, the two microphones things, it, it looks good. Although it brought me back to the way Pats used to do interviews. They used to give the player the microphone and then they would put the written question on the screen. I, it looks so bad. Yeah. And it was actually Jamie Moore who was on their media team at the time and Jamie can talk fine so why didn't they just have him ask the question it was so odd to have like a screen ask a question <laughs> cut back to the player holding the microphone answer the question but uh, no like I say uh, SRFC Man, TV moving yeah. up in the world it's, it's, uh, two mics yeah no it's, it's, it's good and like I remember in Europe um, Graham Graham yeah Graham yeah Graham had the Graham had his little set up kit bag with him to kind of go out to the game and stuff, but it was deadly, like, you know, and he was able to go straight over and do the interview with Brazzers everywhere we went. So, yeah, no, we're definitely uh, SRFC technologists. <laughs> uh, 5,800 attendance. So, for your Monday night, that's excellent. I think I don't Very have much. I don't have the Monday figures in, in front of me now, but I think we've been kind of hovering around those figures, haven't we? Yeah, it's a good attendance. Like, you, I kind of felt like we were going to start dropping again. And I think the UCD game, what we did in the East End since then, has just kept momentum again. And uh, kids again on the pitch running around. <laughs> <I think. laughs> it's becoming a bit of a theme now, isn't it? I know, yeah. I'd love to see that East End again and see if we just gave another 1,000 tickets again, you know, because it, it looked like the same crowd. I love the half-hearted attempt to chase them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. But like in the last second, you see Stuart saying, oh, I got him, and then he, no. Yeah. Uh, Bowles brought, or sorry, not Bowles, Derry brought 230 to Tata. Remember them slagging our away support? They I, I remind them of this. I think it's mad that like fans can actually slag us for travelling. It's mad. Um, there is no way that anyone has ever beaten us for bringing bigger crowds somewhere apart from maybe Derry that time they brought what 5,000 or something to France I mean to be fair we probably do the same yeah I think they not their well rival fans like they were taking pictures of our support in Bulgaria and Macedonia and Hungary they were smaller crowds because we're basically we're touring Eastern Europe in the, in the qualifiers and we knew the group stage was coming at least after we beat Scooby, we knew it was coming. And so people were saving their money. I mean, could any other club's fans bring a huge amount 
to seven consecutive. I mean, some of these games were back to back, right? Was were, were, yeah, were they back to back? Yeah, I think the I think the one in um, where were we? Ferenc Faros mm. in Budapest. I think that was straight yeah. out one week straight after, and that was a game where we kind of half in our heads were like, "Well, we're already qualified here. The Macedonia game is the yeah. one to get through." And still we brought over 100, I think. Um, and there yeah. was a lot of fans on that trip, I think, that were doing maybe their first one as well out of all those games. So there were still fans kind of still going for the first time and stuff. So we've, yeah. we've, uh, we dig deep for fans at times, you know. I was talking to Fikra, he couldn't understand why more didn't go to French Paris because of the ground that it was and the city that it was. But you can understand it's, it's seven trips. You're going to have I, to pick and choose. I, I think you find with, with the way that they have this Champions League set up now, we're going to find ourselves playing the same teams maybe twice in five years over the next few years. But fingers crossed now, keep 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 winning the league to do that. Yeah, Copenhagen would be the second time we meet then if we get that through. Was, that was a great trip that time. You know, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, yeah. please God. <laughs> if, if, Captain, you know, if. I, I completely take that back because... Maloney has two hands around my neck at this stage. <laughs> uh, Derry fans had a drum nicked, although it's on Twitter it was actually a 14 year old, so maybe maybe don't nick kids' drums. But uh, what, you know what was objectively, I'm bringing back Pats again, but do you remember, I think it was 2017, 2018 maybe, the never relegated, never homeless flag? Yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> that, it was stolen mid match. They didn't even notice, did they? No, I just remember your man sprinting back into the shed. And I just love that it said never homeless on it. Yeah. Fact, because they literally ground shared with Milltown at one stage yeah. in the 50s. <laughs> never homeless. Like, it's it makes bad. no sense. They've, uh, they haven't got much to show for these days, so <laughs> I'm not surprised that that's, their, that's the biggest thing they can shout about. It's not even anything to do with them. Yeah, and we have a bit of a post-match reaction, actually. We have uh, Derry City manager, Rory Higgins. Ladies and gentlemen, could you please bring your purchases to the checkout as the store is about to close? Hurry up, come on. Well, I do have an incredibly boring voice. (laughs) So that was uh, Rory Higgins there. Um, Brazzer McPhail, we're on a plane. To Iceland, first thing Tuesday morning, I do a bit of scouting. So they were checking out the four potential Champions League pawns, and we knew one that wouldn't be San Marino. Uh, clearly, he had no chance of getting through to the final. Uh, we'll have a bit more on that in a moment. Uh, Pats and Dundalk drew one all at Oriel Park the same night. Dundalk had been down to 10 men, but they got an equaliser. Wasn't it Pats that kept. Or sorry, Dundalk yeah. kept losing to teams with. With 10, 10 men, men. Yeah, now they've done the upset. And yeah. I think that the reverse fixture of that, it was the other way around. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, O'Donnell just can't, he can't get a result against Pats, can he? No. Uh, Forrester is still, still top goal scorer with 10 goals. I wonder what odds you would have gotten on that at the start of the season. Now, Holwyn's nearby, so maybe he'll overtake him. Yeah, the, I think the I think Graham Bork was still um, favourite a couple of weeks ago. Um, mm. there's, there, there hasn't been really been a clear cut person from the off odds wise to get to get top goal scorer yeah so other results on the Friday just jumping back to the Friday draw had a 1 Dundalk 2 UCD 2 Sligo 1 so that was only Sligo's second win in the season but they're still 12 points behind Cork uh, they do traditionally do better don't they after the exams are over yeah 
So maybe they'll pick up a couple. Did they of miss a few players and they were playing against us because they were all doing yeah. exams? Or they were doing to the be fair, I, Even the players that did play, surely their heads are gone. You know, trying to do the exams at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Derry beat them or Derry beat Cork 2-0 Pats beat Shelburne 1-0 at home Pats and Shells were having a bit of a Twitter feud did you <laughs> see that, that? yeah, yeah. <laughs> one more league title isn't it <laughs> yeah or what was it uh, Sherburne Sherburne because yeah. uh, your man on Love Island that's how he's been pronouncing it <laughs> Sherburne um, God Pat Scully has been announced as the man to take charge of Leash AFC senior team and his first match in charge is against Scary Towns or Scary's Town in the FEI Cup so our paths could cross in the second round yeah could meet Pass Cuddy done a couple of trials with IT Italo when he was the manager there really yeah uh, yeah I think that he, he thought he remembered me as a football player but um, unfortunately he remembered <laughs> me as a fan <laughs> <laughs> and in other bizarre man- managerial news Robbie Keane is now the manager of Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel that's a mad story uh, isn't it a random one I always got the feeling he would take a, a bit of a punt somewhere abroad because I just got the impression offers weren't coming in from the UK I know he was assistant manager at Leeds under Big Sam Allardyce but uh, he's off to Israel uh, I won't make the joke that 8 million people have already made as <laughs> being his dream um, it's got a smack of cypress off it doesn't it like you wonder whether yeah. he'll be there two years or two weeks my first thought was I hope he's been in touch with Mick McCarthy get the severance package done yeah. get it right because I give him three months their season their, their season would be starting pretty soon as well wouldn't they and are they in mm. Europe they actually uh, we could meet them in the conference groups oh wow really there you go so yeah on Tuesday, it's, uh, it's Wednesday as we're recording here, Tuesday was the preliminary round final, and as expected, Icelanders versus the Montenegrins. How do you pronounce this team's name, by the way, the Iceland team? The Iceland team, I don't know, I've been saying breed a brick. I think the uh, I think the wiki gives you a good a good insight. Because there's like a backwards D and there's a mad dash over, and I'm like, I don't know what letter this is. <laughs> All I know is that it's not too far from uh, Reykjavik, so... If, uh, right. if we do end up having to travel over, it's, it won't be it won't be too hard to get there. Yeah, so they beat uh, San Marino side. Trey is a seven one. They beat them, uh, and Podgorica beat the Andorans three nil. So that final will be on Friday. Yeah, I, w- I watched the first half of the Montenegrin game. Um, yeah, the goals were very soft. I thought the Andorran team they played were a little bit better standard than the San Marino team against uh, the Iceland, but. It was it was very very clear from both games that um if that was going to be the final. Yeah, you probably can't take the, the San Marino result too seriously. If you look at their like previous aggregate scores, it's eight nil, seven nil, ten nil, seven nil. So yeah, to be to be fair, now the the San Marino team, they were in two or three times. They scored they scored I think to make it two one at one stage and. Even though like the Iceland team were making loads of chances and you knew that it was inevitable, especially when it was nil all. But uh, I thought they were a little bit... like They made a couple of mistakes as well, which let them in on goal. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, a guy from the San Marino team got in on goal and he must have absolutely ballooned the ball out nearly for a throw in. And he was literally <laughs> one-on-one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he just got up and got on with it. But yeah, no, they they've, they've plenty of weaknesses. So it was good to see uh, the two lads going over. Great quote from uh, Tommy Tarmy, 
Uh, San Marino. It's a bit like Pleasant in declaring independence. <laughs> <laughs> and just on Podgorica. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's the smallest capital city in the world. And uh, according to one man's research, the ninth most dangerous place in Europe, known for its gang violence and crime. And I, I just put into Google one day, just to see, um, just sort of like, what the town looked like. Although, I suppose if we if we are to go there, we're not going to stay in the town. We're just going to sort of go to the stadium and all that. But there was an article from 2013 called Podgorica is a Hole. Wow. And it was a very descriptive article by a guy who stayed there for three days. Now, it is 10 years old. Maybe things have changed a little bit. But just gone by the pictures and his descriptions. <laughs> my God, what a shithole. Really? Like, you should read this. It's, wow. It is a, a shithole. Is there, is there, like, holiday destinations not a million miles away from the town, though? Like, I mean, if you mm. maybe go out an hour out, like, that's probably where you want to be staying. Yeah. That's probably the plan, all right? But um, it's looking like it will be Iceland. We were there, of course, in uh, 2017, Dan. Remember you <laughs> singing Bjork? Uh, <laughs> it's all so quiet. Yeah. I remember the people passing by watching us sing that, thinking, like, what is, what is this? Um... <laughs> My funniest moment with you with with those songs that we've been away was when we were on our way to Bolslav from Prague, and you guys had a Tifties uh, playlist, and one of them was this real local, uh, you know, song. Oh, we've used that a few times, yeah. I remember the song you're came shooting, on. Yeah. And the, the song comes on, you just see the driver like waving his finger. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, that was the first driver in Rovers history. Um, to bring us to get gargled before we asked on the way home. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I some memories. Um, yeah, still bright at 2am. I just oh. remember like, I'm tired and I want to go to bed, but it's completely bright. And I'm like, I suppose I'll go to bed, but it just feels wrong. Uh, it's odd, isn't it? Yeah. I remember right. at the game, the, the hundred thousands Mercedes that Maloney jumped into. Oh, <laughs> Your man went mad. <laughs> Body <Bad> please. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about that. Oh, but I just remember the fellas just wasn't impressed at all. <laughs> uh, no, no, good memories of that trip. Um, I'm not 100% on Iceland yet. Um, but because of, like, it, it was me and Gareth's first trip together. I was at Wyart Lane. So I kind of considered my first proper away day because I didn't know any back in 2011. Yeah. So. I remember, I think it was about 300 of us travelled over and we were in the, the Dubliner pub and I just remember meeting a lot of people for the first time. I just remember meeting fans, even board members like Ray Wilson, Rochi, like everyone, we were all just mingling the same. That's that's what's great about these trips is everyone being together and I think that was the right number for that to happen. Um, mm. We landed on our feet as well because that Dubliner pub wasn't active on its Facebook because Steve, the barman, um, who was brilliant, by the way. Viking Steve. Viking Steve, yeah. He he only, I think he only got the pub or something and we'd gotten this, ter- we'd gotten this terrible offer around the corner. They, they actually changed the offer and then Steve said, yeah, you guys come in, gave us a decent offer, I think, and, and yeah. the other crowd came down trying to... Your man uh, came crawling back. back. Yeah, yeah. like, get lost now, you know, once, once you do that, that's it. What a terrible... It's like 300 Rovers fans Ugh. making this place your base yeah. for two days. Yeah, I heard his brother's a League of Ireland referee. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, the Rovers women's team 
um, have played two games in this new all-in competition since we last uh, did a podcast. Uh, so they beat P-Mount 2-1 in Tata, and they lost 5-3 in Wexford. So heavy defeat in Wexford because they were 5-1 down at one point. Lauren Kelly had pulled them back to 2-1. Then there was goals from the returning Stephanie Zamber, her first goal for the club. And Jamie Thompson laid on, made the scoreline look a little better. Uh, all good goals, but one win and one defeat going into the third group game against Gantorin, who are very strong. So chances are we're not going to make it out of the group. So cut it out. Um, <laughs> They're doing quite well this season. This, absolutely. You know, yeah. first season back in. and um, I'm sure to even be able to get some of those players of the calibre that they are internationals to come in when we don't even have a team. Imagine next year what we'd be able to attract show now that we actually do mean business um, mm-hmm. and we are challenging for the league. Yeah, because our first defeat of the season was against P-Mount and we were a bit, a bit unlucky to actually lose that game. Yeah, we good are... crowd as well, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely something in it. I mean, they've already kind of nailed it in the UK now with the crowd, so why, why can't we do it here? Um, our last, as in Robbers men's team, last competitive game Against an Irish league side, Dan, was St. Patrick's Day 2014. A, oh, a scoreless yeah. draw against Gontoran at the Oval. We won 5 1 aggregate in uh, the Santa Cup quarter final, but you weren't actually at that one, were you? No, it was, I think it was Paddy's Day. I think it was in town. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I missed that game. I was supposed to be gone, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, I left it out. I think I was at the home leg, though. Yeah, remember the Ultras display in the home leg? You'll have to remind me. No country for all Glens. <laughs> yes, I do actually. That was the picture of the guy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably one of my favourites up there with We Fear No Danes. Yeah. Obviously that got posted on Facebook because we we, we might play Copenhagen. I have to pull that one out again. That was that was um, one of the most amazing. That was probably, at least for the East Stand, the loudest Tala has ever been for me, at least in the mm. East Stand. It was incredible to start that game. I remember, oh yeah, I remember pressing that game. I remember Bocker scoring. And yeah, I still remember a bit about that game. It was it was a really good performance. Um, you were at the Oval before though, Dan. Twenty twelve preseason friendly. Yeah, uh, Stephen that. Kenny's first game in charge. Oscar Yance's debut. Yeah, I remember being on. I remember standing on the top tier waving down at him. Wasn't the first time. <laughs> <laughs> first time. <laughs> Kenny out. <laughs> he's, like, he's already gone. I've only started. I remember chatting to Kerry Gilbert and um. Getting a spot in the car park because I did feel a little bit ropey. Dry. It's because the ground is like literally in an estate. So if you're not like if you're not parking in the car park there and you're mm-hmm. parking in the estate, uh, you probably wouldn't want your edge to be around there. So <laughs> uh, just jumping back to the P Mount game, the two one win. Uh, Amber Barrett and Katie McCabe were in Tata, so they got mobbed by fans. Uh, Glenn Dunn is actually going to Australia. Is he with one of his kids, but not Hannah? Oh. He's going with his son, so they're going to take in one game, and he's already lined up an interview with Samantha Debrary. So, Glenn, you are a media whore, as you <laughs> like to say in the show. I tell you what, it'd be it'd be great crack over there. Like if I was still living in Melbourne, I'd definitely be getting out to a few games. Mm. Um, I've done a couple of things there where there's different tournaments on, and to be fair, all the stadiums are right beside each other. I'd say it'd be amazing. Yeah, so just my quick synopsis of that game. Uh, the goals came from uh, Jamie Thompson uh, from the penalty spot. She was looking at a score in the first half. She had this spectacular shot out of nowhere that came crashing down off the underside of the bar. 
uh, some people thought was in, but and uh, good goal by Lauren Kelly. Although actually, I watched it back earlier. Takes a bit of deflection, so it was possibly gone wide. <laughs> but uh, Cody made six changes. He said he would be experimental. He gave four girls their first start. He gave Katie O'Reilly, who's only 16, he gave her her senior debut in the second half. P-Mail made a lot of changes as well. Um, commentator's curse, Mr. Dave Hanley. Because right at the end he goes, Summer Lottis will be delighted with her clean sheet oh. in injury time. And then, boom, concedes. Last <laughs> kick of the game. <laughs> uh. Uh, looking at the score a few more, actually, we played well in the latter stages. Leo Leary could have had a couple more. So the reason uh, we were talking about Glentoran there is because the women make a trip up to Glentoran now on Sunday, but not the Oval actually. They're going to Blanche Flower Stadium, which Where's is that? a five minute drive from the Oval. I think the Glen's men's 19s play there. Okay. But uh, I was having a look at it, it's a decent little ground. And um, we actually have some content from Glentoran now. So first you'll hear from Hannah Dunn. She interviewed Jess Gargan after we beat P-Mount 2-1. She was captain on the day. And then you'll hear from Scott Martin, who is a radio presenter, works for Glen Thorne and their, their women's programme. So he's going to talk about Robert's visit to East Belfast come on Sunday. So first Hannah, then Scott, because I sent Scott five questions about Glen Thorne. Jess, we started the group with a win. You wore the captain's armband today. How do you think we played? Yeah, I think the first half um, was definitely below our standards, below par. Um, it wasn't great at all, to be honest. Um, but at halftime, I think we, you know, we sat down, um, we had a chat halftime, we fixed what we needed to do, and I think we came back back in the second half and um, really pushed on and, and played how we know we can play. Um, I think you know we train well every week, and, and the lads put in a lot of work with us and, and with the girls, and you know what movements to do and whatnot. And first half wasn't good enough, but yeah, second half we came out, uh, we showed a bit more fire um, and like want to win. And regardless if it's a, if it's a cup, if it's a league, uh, we want to win. So uh, delighted with the second half performance, and uh, not the best performance, but we got the goals, and that's what we lacked last week. So um, delighted to get the win, yeah, definitely. We played two men's P men two weeks running. They beat us in the first game, and we got the win here today. What did the squad learn last week and what did they bring into the, today's game? Um, we learned to, I guess, score this week. Um, it's something we lacked last week. We didn't create a lot of chances last week, but the opportunities we did create, we didn't finish them. So this week we finished them chances, which is all we could ask for. Um, I think last week we probably played better. We had more possession uh, last week. But this week, yeah, what we learned from last week was finishing our opportunities and um, you know, really putting the game to bed, which is the main thing. We conceded late on, which wasn't great, but... Uh, to get the win was great and yeah last week you know you could have a mental block coming into this week but uh, we didn't and we, we focused on certain things in training and really made the most of it this week. A first defeat in the league last week was it good to get the game in this week albeit in a different competition? 100% uh, I think if it was just a big long break without any of these games or cup games you're, you're kind of sitting on a loss and that's never good um, you kind of want to just get it get it out of the system and I think we were all good at last week um, it was really tough to take, uh, you know, it's, obviously it was a massive game, so no, definitely great to have a game this weekend and play them as well, uh, second time it kind of, you know, gets us over that slump of losing to them. Was it important for confidence to get this win and for Jamie to score after her miss last week? Yeah, massively, she'd say that herself. Um, I think she, she was practicing her shooting this week, we were giving her a bit of stick, but uh, no, it's massive for the confidence for all of us as players, but especially Jamie, as, as a forward, it's that position where, you know, if you don't score, people say you're not on form, so it was really important for her to finish that off, so hopefully she pushes on from there. 
a league record attendance last week, a smaller crowd here today, but have you and the rest of the team been able to feed off the crowd when they get behind you on match day? Absolutely. Uh, it's massive. It's a big difference to what we're all used to. Like last year at our older clubs, like there wouldn't have ever been as big a crowd. And I think that's down to Rovers and the the team really, uh, you know, platforming the games and promoting them well. Um, you know, they really get involved and the crowd has really helped us massively. Um, we really appreciate all the support and the parents bring them out. So, no, it really helps us, yeah. You three goals already this season and Leo Leary has chipped in with a few herself from the other side. She was unlucky not to get two today. Has Collie encouraged you both to get forward more and score goals and will you be looking to add to your goals as the season goes on? Yeah, 100%. I think my biggest thing when you know thinking about coming to Rovers was making sure that the manager's style of play suited me um, and I think Collie loves to, to push our fullbacks on. Yes, we still need to work defensively and you know we can't both go at the same time, uh, which we've worked on and I think he's working with me defensively. It's probably something I do need to improve on my game, but uh, he does give us license to go forward once someone else covers back. Um, so it's really attractive for us as players and uh, yeah in terms of goals I'd love to get more goals uh, three is good for me it was one last year so it's an improvement but yeah I'd love to keep on I feel like I'm getting in the box a lot so it, it's good to add to the goals but to be honest the most important thing for me is just three points on the day you signed for Rovers from Shells last year and you're in the US before that are you enjoying playing for Rovers and how does the setup here compare to your old clubs yeah I think actually in the states compares really similar to rovers and it's a big reason why i actually made the move um, it's very the same as the states it's very professional it's full on you don't get away with a lot which is what i like in terms of fitness football everything's very serious um, the move itself was really tough at the start to be honest the first few months um, it was tough i thought once i made the move you know all the kind of background noise would be gone but it kind of mentally it was very tough for the first few months um, but thank god i'm over kind of that slump and i'm really enjoying rovers yeah the lads the coaching staff are unbelievable whether it's strength conditioning into training um during the day or sorry during the week um i'm loving it it's it's helping me bring myself on as a person and a player and it's up on our standards you can't really get away with anything so it's a step up and it took a time to adjust to um, and just different players different coaches but now i'm really liking it now Collie has said that he'll try a few new things and new players in this competition. Lauren Kelly scored a great goal and Katie O'Reilly made her senior debut. Will it be good for the younger players to get some game time in the first team? Absolutely, and I think it's, it's really important for the younger players because they've show, they've been here since the first day of preseason, like the rest of us. Trained three, four nights a week, showed up to every game. You know, they're travelling up to Sligo, across the Galway, and some of them are getting no minutes, and it's tough um, to keep motivated and to keep the confidence. So, it's actually a really good tournament for players to get minutes, like Lauren O'Kelly, who's been doing excellent every time she's come on. Uh, younger players coming on the pitch as well, and we'll hopefully get minutes over the next few weeks. Um, yeah, we want to win, but we also have the squad depth. Even even when we want to win, we can still play these players. So it's really important for them, for their confidence, and just for minutes and fitness as well. So yeah. Thanks, Jess. No worries. Thanks very much. Hey guys, thanks for the opportunity to speak on Tales from the East Stand ahead of the Avenir All Ireland Women's Cup game between Shamrock Rovers and Glentorn. Um, especially nice for me to be on. Obviously, I've been invited on from a Glentorn perspective. I live in East Belfast, but I did work in Tallow for four years as well. So, um, would have been over at the Tallow Stadium quite a bit for midweek games for Shamrock Rovers men and, and usually stayed a couple of nights a week in the hotel. It kind of looks right into Tallow Stadium. So, it's an area that I know well um, and, and Shamrock Rovers would be my League of Ireland team, but... I'll, uh, I'll not be saying that too loudly on Sunday whenever they play Glentorn. Um, you sent across a couple of questions, so I'm just going to go through those. Um, the first question, how have Glentorn women's side fared in the Irish League in recent years in terms of trophies, league positions and expectancy compared to other big clubs, especially in Belfast? Um, I think it's fair to say Glentorn women have been going through a, a real 
um, strong period over the last number of years. There's three domestic trophies in Northern Ireland and then the league. In 2020, Glentorn women won all four, so they won the clean sweep of the three trophies and the league. They retained all four then in 2021, and then last year won two of the four trophies. So, um, at the minute, it's Glentorn and Cliftonville that, that seem to be the two strongest sides and have been for the last number of years. Um, it looks like that again this season at the minute. So, um, in terms of trophies, um, yeah, won uh, two of the four last year. Won all four the year before, won all four the year before that. Um, league positions were second in the league last year by three points to Cliftonville and um, were first in the league then the previous two seasons and expectancy compared to other big clubs, especially in Belfast. Um, I think the feeling around Glenthorne women at the end of last season was one of real disappointment and considering they won two of the four trophies, by most club standards that's quite good, but... Um, I think it says something about the expectancy and kind of the, the standards and levels that the players in Glenton women set for themselves, that, that there really was a feeling of disappointment whenever um, they, they sort of, I say, only won two of the four um, trophies last season. So um, there's a few changes made off the field over the, the break and a really, really strong pre-season. Um, I think the players are really keen to kind of right a few wrongs from last year. Um, in particular in the league and, and the Irish Cup and, and to go ahead and, and win both of those and, and hopefully the Avenir All-Ireland Cup as well would be a nice one to add to the collection. Second question, the girls played the Blanchflower Stadium. What's that like in terms of the pitch facilities and average crowds? Um, the Blanchflower Stadium, in my eyes, is one of the best stadiums in Northern Ireland um, at the minute. It's um, it's brand new. I think it opened last season, uh, maybe the season before. I think it was last season it opened, um, and it's the ground of Harlem Wolf Welders Football Club. So it's in East Belfast. Um, some Shamrock Rovers fans might remember from the Satanta Cup days, Glentorn play um, or the men's team play at the Oval. That's that's kind of our, our home stadium. But with it being the off season at the minute for the men, that pitch there will be um, undergoing a lot of work and, and getting ready for the new season. So um, our women are playing at the Blanchard Stadium, which is a 4G pitch. Um, I'm told it plays really nice in terms of 4G pitches. It, it plays really well, um, which you would expect with it being brand new. And in terms of facilities, um, everything is is state of the art. It's a really really nice ground um, and I think on, on Sunday whenever um, whenever Shamrock Rovers come up to play there'll be a really really good atmosphere there it's got four stands um, in it so um, you can really get the feeling of, of having um, a lot of people on the ground feeling packed out and having a really good atmosphere um, without losing any of that that you might lose in a slightly bigger stadium so um, perfect size and, and really good ground to be at in terms of coming up from Dublin as well, um, it's straightforward to get to if you come straight up the M1 and, and keep going um, into Belfast. It'll then take you around on the M3 and, and head out towards the city airport. And once you get to the city airport, it's it's just kind of around the corner to the Blanchflower Stadium. You'll see the oval um, on, on the right-hand side as you're just before you come to the, the city airport. Um, and then as you keep on going down, then you'll come to the Blanchflower Stadium. Um, so, yeah, fairly close by and, and not hard to get to at all. How is this season going so far, i.e. performances, standout players for the Glens? Um, I think the, the period in between the 2022 season ending and the 2023 season starting was a really strong period for, for Glentone women and a lot of work done there, off the pitch and on the pitch. Um, a really strong pre-season as well and, and made a couple of key signings. So um, Demi Vance, who played in the Women's Super League for Leicester City, uh, rejoined Glentone where, where she kind of grew up. 
and Emily Wilson, who's a Northern Ireland international as well, um, signed for, for Glen Torn in attack. So two really strong signings, two Northern Ireland internationals coming in there as well, um, and, and really good strengthening there. So um, performances so far have, have been have been good, have been really strong, um, and the, the team have kind of been performing in, in the way that they'd want. Two games where they, they probably haven't performed as well um, was in the League Cup and the County Antrim Cup. So that's two competitions which uh, they, the Glen Torn women aren't competing for uh, this season. So it's going to be the Avenir All-Ireland Cup, the League and the Irish Cup, which which has the focus um, and, and probably a renewed focus now, um, given the, the sort of disappointment with the League Cup and the County Antrim Cup. Um, but a really strong performance as well. I think we went out of the League Cup and the County Antrim Cup both within sort of the space of a week of each other um, in and around that first Wexford game and then um, played Piedmont away and had a really strong reaction there, obviously, to come, come away with a 5-0 victory. So, um, yeah, I think really, really pleased with kind of the response to that. Um, standout players for the Glens I think I've been procrastinating on that last answer because I'm trying to avoid this um, I've already mentioned the, the strength that we've got at the back in defence um, midfield we've got Chloe McCarran Julie Andrews Nadine Caldwell all three are, are Northern Ireland internationals so it's it's a strong setup there um, in attack Cara Hamilton who's again Northern Ireland international maybe known from her, her punditry work on Sky Sports and some other channels as well um, but yeah having a, a really good season um, yeah on the other side I said we've got Emily Wilson who's come into the squad and then up front Carrie Beatty who um, is the league's leading goal scorer at the minute so she's on, on really good form at the minute um, and scoring a lot of goals so um yeah, it's hard to pick out anybody as a standout player. Kerry Beatty will probably get the most headlines um, as the league's leading goal scorer um, and is having a really good season. What is the club immediate reaction to the new All-Ireland tournament so far? Is it a welcome addition to the calendar and a new challenge or mostly a chance for managers to experiment during the World Cup break? Um, I think the reaction so far has been very positive. We've obviously played one home game and one away game. The home game that we had was uh, very much a sort of a, a family fun uh, feel to it. Before the game, there were inflatables for the kids. There was face paint and there was a, a penalty shootout competition. Um, and, and it was a really, really good day. So um, I think the, the reaction so far has been very, very positive. Um, our away game then as well, we won 5-0. So <laughs> that was obviously a um, very positive reaction to that as well. So I think it's been a welcome addition to the calendar. Um, as I said at the minute in the, the Northern Ireland League, Cliftonville and, and Glen Torn are probably two, the two strongest sides. Um, and it's an opportunity now for us to play against other teams in Ireland, um, to, to play in new venues as well, um, and, and maybe against different styles of football. So um, I think, yeah, it's been a welcome addition to the calendar and one that we're really enjoying so far. Um Mostly a chance for managers to experiment during the World Cup break. Not so much here. Our um, international window is slightly different, so our, our players haven't broken up yet to go away with the international team, so they'll be doing that um, in the next couple of weeks um, for, for the game against Scotland and Czech Republic. So, um, yeah, at the minute, um, it hasn't been... A, a, you know, we haven't lost players to, to internationals, but um, it is definitely an opportunity, I think, even just to get squad um, more minutes uh, and more minutes in the legs for everybody. So um, at this stage in the season, um, I think players are, are kind of at their, their peak fitness as well. Um, haven't played quite a, quite a few games. We're halfway through our season up here. So um, it, it's definitely, I think, being received well by the club and the media, um, even just from the fact that it's an opportunity to play against new teams and, and, and different styles of football. So it's been welcome. 
Glenthorne men met the Rovers men's team in the 2014 Santa Cup, but what do you know about the new women's senior team? What sort of game do you expect from Rovers and which players are you aware of as ones to watch out for? Um, as I said, I probably have a little bit of a vested interest in Shamrock Rovers from the time that I spent in Tala. Uh, so I've been keeping an eye on, on Shamrock Rovers and, and on the women's social media. So I know there's a strong social media team there because um, there's a lot of content coming out. Um, and yeah, I know that the women's team have, have really strong attendance figures this year as well, which obviously is a, is a challenge for a, for a new team. But um, I've seen really strong attendance figures um, at their games. Um, and a lot of work done with, with schools as well. So um, all really positive steps, I think, for, for growing women's football. What sort of game do you expect from Rovers? I think both teams are going to come out to win it. So maybe a little bit cagey in the first uh, five or ten minutes while each team are kind of sussing each other out. But after that, I think both teams will go for it. Both teams will want to score goals. And I'm hoping it's going to be quite a, an open, fast-flowing game with, with a lot of chances. Which players are you aware of as the ones to watch out for? Um... I can probably name four. I know the goalkeeper's having a good season, Lawless. Um, I know there were two players that were called up to the Irish team, Abby Larkin, who came from Shelbourne, and um, Anya O'Gorman, um, the captain. Also saw a really interesting article, actually, with the, the captain on Sky Sports one night. I turned the TV on, um, and she was kind of taking Sky Sports around the, the ground and having a bit of a chat with them uh, for one of their matches. So that was really interesting, um, Anya O'Gorman. Um, and the other player I can name is probably McAvoy. Um, so yeah, I, I would say from from what I'm expecting, I'm expecting um, a team that comes out who who probably have no fear and um, because things are going well in the League of Ireland, um, and I think they'll have a goal. Glentorn. Similarly, I expect Glentorn will um, be be hard to break down at the back, but will have a lot of firepower going forward. So I think all in all, it should be a good game. So yeah. Robbers travelled to Gantorn on Sunday, although unfortunately we're we're giving this game a bit of a plug, but you you uh, literally cannot watch the game because there's no stream. Uh, you could stream the first two, P Mound and Wexford, but they just don't have the system set up in the north. Okay. So you're gonna have to set it for highlights or make the trip to the Blanche Flower Stadium. <laughs> um, but yeah, you heard Hannah there speaking to Jess Garrigan. I thought she spoke very well. Uh, apologies for the beeping we were using two recorders and one of them crapped out and kept saying file end over and over again so it kept beeping so I'm sorry if that was annoying and as mentioned uh, Jess played college football in the states in Connecticut with the Quinnipiac Bobcats (laughs) so that's who she played for um, Ireland national team beat Zambia 3-2 on Tata this was a World Cup warm up Last uh, Thursday, uh, Anya was on the bench, not involved, but Abby started. And I have here, hopefully, to make the squad. But actually, it was announced today, wasn't it? Yeah, day they, day they two. Today, yeah. yeah, both made the squad. It's brilliant, it's brilliant to see that, though, isn't it? You know, have Robbers having, I mean, as many internationals as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, the girl, I think it's Vera, is it? That's the manager. Vera Pell, yeah. Yeah, she was... Uh, <coughs> she almost... She almost looked like she was going to start crying about kind of explaining how they had to leave a couple of players out. You can only imagine like when there's you have to cut a squad down like that going Especially on Australia. Especially for a country's first World Cup. Yeah. And they do, like the women's team, they do have players playing at a high level in England. And were these the only two League of Ireland clubs? I've actually not checked. I, know, I think there was a P-Man player involved at I think one there's stage. A, I think there's a goalkeeper potentially that, yeah. that's in there. 
But uh, no, it's brilliant that um, Anya and Abby have made the squad. And but I do want to say one thing. What what is with our eagerness? When I say error, I mean the FBI. What is with our eagerness to give Ireland managers a new contract right before tournaments? I cannot understand this. 2002, right? Okay, McCarthy gets us to our first World Cup since 94. Um, there's great optimism going into it. Maybe at the time you're thinking, okay, this makes sense. You can't see the Roy Keane Saipan thing happening. Yeah. You couldn't have foreseen that. But still, like, why? Why give him a contract in, like, May? And then Euro 2012, Trapatoni gets us to a tournament for the first time since Japan-Korea. We give him a new contract, like, a month before, and we're hammered in yeah. every game. And by the end of it, we're thinking, do we want two more years of Trapatoni? Well, you just gave him a contract. Why do it? Yeah, I mean, there's probably other examples where, on the flip side, you might look a little bit foolish that you've allowed your man- manager to walk away after having such a good tournament. Hmm. But uh, when I look at examples like Trapattoni, I don't know, like, you nearly kind of... I kind of felt at the time when we qualified for that, like, I mean, we did well to qualify, but I mean... Yeah. I probably would have at least given them the tournament to then judge to see whether we were going to do all right or mm-hmm. not because, yeah, as you said, we were we were pretty much hammered in all the games. I remember scoring one goal from a set-piece maybe to equalise. Croatia, I think Sean said Nigeria scored. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe looking at Vera Pell thinking we don't want her going to to the UK or abroad or something. Well, I don't know. Maybe put, that's the thinking. But put, put it this way, would you give Michael O'Neill a contract when he qualified for the Europa League? Um. Well, as the story goes, he wanted an extra ten percent on the budget, wasn't it? But I mean, Jesus, we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> I suppose like as well, the women they're they're up against it in this group. They're not actually expected to get out of it, so it's very unlikely that we're going to be humili- humiliated and left thinking. We should have done a lot better there. Why are we stuck with Vera Powell? It's unlikely. We're probably for, going to be happy by the end of the group. For, first game's Australia, second game's Canada, is it? And I think then, so, yeah. Yeah. If you get anything out of that Australian mm-hmm. game, there'll be a lot of pressure on them because mm-hmm. they have done quite well over the years in tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, you get something out of that game and then going into the Canada game, you might have a chance. But from what you hear, Canada are also very good as well. Yeah. Another mad contract, four years for Robbie Keane. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Which he sat now, not not Israel. Do you remember oh, the FBI gave him the four years? Yeah, yeah. That was Delaney, wasn't it? And then he coached us. <laughs> <laughs> he coached us, yeah. Can we do that again? Um, so the women's, uh, have the they have the highest average attendance in the league, 7-5-9. Bowles second, 6-5-3. Treaty last with 100. And the men's are obviously on top as well. With the average six thousand and twenty-eight, UCD bottom nine oh eight, and uh, James Lowe points out that our women's team have higher attendances than three first division men's clubs, including Longford. So we're going to well. keep that one in the bank <laughs> for a special occasion. Um, Kieran Kilduff, new manager of Atlone women's team. Um, and I, I noticed I noticed Killer in um, Tada the last few Robbers women's games, and I was wondering like, is there some connection there? And then he was appointed manager of Alone. Was interesting. Yeah, there see there yeah. seemed to be a lot of people gutted about Atlone losing their manager, so it's probably not bad to see someone like Killer going in because he, mm. he's 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 been coaching a bit, hasn't he? 
he was assistant manager at Maynooth University. Yeah. So I think he was there f- two or three years, maybe. Um, do you know who the manager of the Cork women's team is? No. Danny Murphy. Oh, wow. Yeah, another ex hoop. God, I remember. I just, that was the night. I just remember the night when he, him and Bocker got sent off in UCD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good player, Danny Murphy. Um, he wasn't the worst fullback we got in. That's something I think about every time I watch us have these routine wins over UCD. And everyone just assumes it's a formality. And I'm just standing there I'm like, go wrong. I'm like, I have seen us lose to UCD under Crotty, 2-0. Yeah. And you you mentioned another one there, 3-2. That yeah. was under Michael Neal, wasn't it? That one under O'Neill. And that was when we were starting to sink. That was very, very hard. Because you were always kind of yeah. looking at that fixture list saying, I will beat UCD, I will beat the dock away. You Gary know. knows I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, on the women, uh, Cork, they're all Ireland game that went uh, a bit viral because a toddler stole the corner flag during play and, and disrupted the game. <laughs> and the dad re- takes his time about it. He records the baby oh. taking the flag. Then he runs over, puts the flag back so they can take the throw in. The girl is just waiting to take the throw in. Then he gets the phone out again. Records her taking the throw in. I'm like, my god. I wonder what the people on the professional live stream were, were thinking about <laughs> because that that's where the footage came from, wasn't it? Like it actually yeah. was somebody there with a camera and the yeah. team doing the the watch LOI. On one hand, you're like, you're hoping standards raised in the women's game. We want we want more attendances. We want more professionalism. On the other hand, you see the P-mount game. A child having to be carried off the pitch, and you see another one here, a child stealing a corner flag, and you're like, "We've a long way to go, maybe." Doesn't it show the difference, yeah. though? You know, if, if that's an example of, you know, looking at what we're doing in Tala with the women's team, and you know, having everything actually done properly on the match day, yeah, having, having the players then being able to go over and do the autographs mm. and stuff, compared to that, it it, it just shows that it's going to stand to us big time. I wouldn't even say years in a year or two, you know, against that, but. Funny, yeah, funny all the same. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll just quickly run through some academy stuff. Uh, the men's nineteens won two 0 in Drada. Seventeens lost three two in Cork. The fourteens beat UCD two one, and our women's side the nineteens beat Harps six 0 but the women's seventeens were beaten five two in Galway. Congratulations to Naj, who was nominated or not nominated, he won. The Men's Under-17's International Player of the Year Award. This was the FEI Awards I spoke about earlier that Gaffney won. Fantastic achievement and congrats as well to Aoife Kelly. She was named Women's Under-17's International Player of the Year. So awards for two hoops there. Nice. At the uh, ceremony in the Mansion House in Dublin. And the previous weekend, you would have seen this on Twitter, the 15s went there with the Ajax and won 2-1. In Amsterdam, and That's this amazing. is this is uh, Gert's and Paggio's team. And I mentioned earlier the, the uh, RT Soccer podcast. Gert's explained how this came about. He said he called in a favor because normally Ajax wouldn't entertain somebody maybe of like a, a League of Ireland. Yeah. So he said he called in a favor and he talked to somebody, and they had seen like a what's that competition called, the Victory Shield or something? It's like it's like. It's that age group, yeah, and they were impressed, and they noticed that we had a lot of Roberts players in the Irish team, 
and they said yeah you've a lot of good players there see, it's getting your foot in the door with these teams because yeah. you see to see you seem to see the same teams all the time at that elite level playing each other the likes of Ajax I generally like the one thing I always felt about the academy was can you get yourself up to that standard you know obviously you can't with the, the first team but you know up to the 15s is there much in between if you do everything right from you know an early age to, to, to bring yourself up to that standard and probably the crucial age is 16 to 18 isn't that it yeah like if you speak to I'm not really I wouldn't be an expert on it but from speaking to the likes of Brazzer and Gart and all they they mention that age bracket a lot yeah so that's the crucial period uh, so I think that's where you need to start investment and everything. And you must have, I mean, at this stage, most of the 15, 16 teams we have now would have come through to the academy where they've started from the beginning. Hmm. Um, that must be trickling through now. And it, uh, Look, it, it's exciting. I, I'd like to think that there's going to be a lot more players on top again coming through our team. If I mean, if you're playing Ajax, you're not just playing Ajax to show up. You're beating yeah. them. That's incredible. And then across our 14s won the Hale tournament at Arsenal uh, a couple of months back as well. You know what sometimes I think about? Do you remember like the low points under Brazzer? Sort of his first full season and you remember the low points in 2018? Yeah. The academy was off in a stick used to beat yeah, Brazzer because it was like, it was like, well, it's okay. The 17s beat Pats, didn't they? So we're fine. The five-year plan. Yeah, <laughs> so that would have been five years ago, and now we've seen the original Rollstone t- team. Was it? I think it was under nines. Uh, I think it was Aaron Green's team. I think, I think Steve McPhail's son Joel is in the same team, possibly. So you have seen them now grow up, and so yeah, so exciting it's times ahead. Like a year is a very long time in football, especially particular teams like Spurs and stuff. You know they don't see past the year. For us to be able to see five, ten years, and that it literally now being five or ten, you know, five years since we've started kind of saying that at the time, getting slagged for it, mm. you can see we're even rewards now. It must take so much patience from every part of the club, from the board yeah. to the likes of Brazzer and stuff, to see that and stick with it. Because fans, to be fair, you know, they just see what's happened on the pitch that week and to try and convince them of it or just you know just be to, mm. to just kind of be uh, to persevere with it and keep going is great and you know we're starting to reap the rewards so it's fair play to everybody involved yeah like 90% of fans aren't overly interested in the academy results like they wouldn't go to the games you have some who take an interest they might watch the highlights they might head down maybe parents of of the players stuff like that but stuff like this when that gets tweeted out yeah. Well, as Gareth pointed out, it was actually Ajax tweeted out the results. He said that was their responsibility whether they wanted to, to do it. share the results. But that's 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 eye catching to the average fan. Yeah. It's 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 like looking at it's it's like trying to explain the importance of the coefficient to somebody and being able to say how important it is over five years to do well in Europe. And at the time people are like, Yeah, well we're after getting, you know, let's see sorry, we got, you know, AIK Stockholm because they're the seed of the team. And then Five years later now, we're in the group with these teams and we're playing on seeded teams because five years ago we said if we do this up until now, yeah, we'll yeah. be among the elite. But you just don't see it at the time, but you realise how important it is. It's so gradual, and, yeah. And we, I just don't, I don't, I don't see any looking back on us now of um, being unseeded in that round. So, yeah, patience goes, it, it goes, <laughs> patience goes a long way. 
And yeah, finally, Rollstone is hosting a under 12s girls World Cup Blitz this weekend. So that's 9.30 to 12 on Saturday morning. And then there was the news that caught everyone off guard. Tony O'Neill is Shelburne's new community officer. And yes, you're right. This is the man that Gar got the big tour from in Rollstone last year in the podcast. In the exact same role, community officer at Shemin Grover's. Bring back Arts. He's defected the shells. Uh, so I don't know what the story is behind this. Um, if anyone knows, <laughs> get in touch. It's, it's an odd one. Um, there, there's been a couple of people who've been involved in Rovers that are involved now in Shelburne, isn't there? At least, I think there's, I don't know now with the new owners um, and stuff, but I think there was at least two board members that they might have something to do we're with. We're mentioning Crawley again, but wasn't it Crawley center back? Was it David O'Connor? Yeah. Didn't he become their CEO? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that was it, yeah. And there yeah. was another fella as well. Um, And just on the community officer, um, you know, I don't know if, if Graham Garland's ever gotten a shout out before, but I've worked with him a few times when he was the community officer. I think I think he took the job in Scotland at the time and he went maybe to Dundee, but the stuff yeah. that he used to do, bring me into, into St. Mark's school and every single kid in that, in that school would know who Rovers are. They'd yeah. know the songs. They'd know everything. Um, he did a phenomenal job, so... I don't know if he's uh, interested in getting back into it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, your, I remember, man can, your man can defect if we have Garrett's in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember Garrett's getting a lot of praise for that at the time. And I remember Gary being critical that it took us a long time to replace him. I don't think we did. I think we did something with the square, which I, I, I don't, it would have been even very hard to get anybody in to replace his role that he was doing. He was bringing his son down to um, stuff to be able to do in the evening outside of his hours. Um, I helped him out a couple of times. So, yeah, so it's a, people like that are rovers. They're just priceless. So, next in my notes here, Dan, I have favourite European trips. Um, <laughs> I mentioned mentioned Iceland there a bit. Uh, it, it was the 20th anniversary of Audra there last week. So, that was Poland 2003 in the Toda Cup. Although, that's a bit before our time, isn't it? Neither of us were at that one. Um, so we have yeah me and Gar's first trip like I said was Iceland and then we went to Czech Republic went to Sweden AIK that was like one of those near misses oh yeah uh, yeah Bran was fantastic I probably I don't know what it was about Bran as a town I really liked it and the last minute Pico equaliser just added to the sort of legend uh, I didn't go to Cyprus and then it was Covid and Last year I did Malta, Belgium and Sweden. Malta was brilliant. Yeah. Really, really good. Especially the apartment we were sharing was, was great, wasn't it, Dan? Oh, yeah. Very quiet. I, I, I tried to Very do... Very peaceful. Uh, <laughs> I tried to do... I played. To, I tried to tactically play Europe last year where um, I brought my work laptop with me. <laughs> and my justification was, right, we'll get there on a the Sunday, work on the Monday and then... You know, take Tuesday, Wednesday off, which I am doing this year as well. But uh, yeah, we shared an apartment. Actually, no, we didn't even share an apartment uh, <laughs> where people were just having a couple of drinks and I was, I was working and stuff and uh, barging in and stuff. But I'll make sure I'll be in my own room this time with no, <laughs> no I wouldn't even have the cleaners in this time. Yeah, I was uh, sharing uh, an apartment with you in Malta. Uh, pretty normal stuff. And then a week later, you're on the front page of the sun. So, quite the turnaround. But we'll get to that in a moment. So, favourite European trips, Dan? What would you, what would you go with? Favourite European trip? 
you know, I, I think I think I've been on before for the the hotline, going through a couple of trips and saying favorite ones. And apologies if this is a different answer this time, but like the, I mean, my first one in Estonia was great. Um, I only turned seventeen. I was going on the Tallahoos buses that year. John Connolly, uh, John and Maureen were a massive help. Um, you know, to encourage me to come along, basically on my own, so only getting to know everyone. Um, encouraging my mum that I'll be in one piece when I get home. So that was great. We got through and it all. I caught um Ken O'Man's jersey. I still have it at home signed. <laughs> and uh, I just remember singing singing rebel songs with Pasley in the train in the morning in the pub as well. So. <laughs> And then uh, a week later, we had Copenhagen, where we managed to get youth flights, stayed with the Ultras a, a little bit outside Copenhagen, met all the, um, oh God, where are they from in Switzerland, St. Gallen lads and stuff, so ran out of money then, went to London, and uh, yeah, that, that was definitely, Estonia definitely the highlight. Yeah, hopefully you do get to Copenhagen, it's a city I've always wanted to visit, I know it's meant to be expensive, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah, I can't, it's... it's um, we just can't get ahead of ourselves. Um, I know someone's already done a lot of groundwork to get something organised. Maybe I'm not jinxing it because part of it of it is to say that even if we don't and people go, the offer's still there. So <laughs> yeah, I like that actually. Okay. At first, I was like, "Why would we still go?" But then yeah. I was like, "Yeah, maybe some will." I'm sure there's been a trip yeah. or two where some of our <clears> fans have still gone. I remember, uh, wasn't it Motherwell lost against Sligo, and I think they still went to. To, mm. to Sligo's next trip yeah I mean I am taking some summer holidays I want to go somewhere in July and August so yeah I, I and I do want to see the city but uh, it would be quite odd if I went there and uh, we, it was like <laughs> yeah it would feel the, odd the, the Icelandic team are playing them on that night or something <laughs> and you're watching the Faroe Islands game in the pub <laughs> yeah I should have just committed to the Faroe Islands and gone there um the the cover photo that we're using for this podcast is you holding a scarf in uh, ice in twenty seventeen. We played Starn and and funny enough, you were just back from Glastonbury. Oh yeah, I remember that. I yeah, I just came back from Glastonbury. I I think I got from back from Glastonbury on the Monday, and I had to that Monday night. I had to fly <coughs> straight back down to Iceland, and um, I. <clears throat> probably had a, a couple of hours sleep the whole weekend so I was I was absolutely wrecked I bumped into Feek where he was staying in the same Airbnb and I just looked at him and I just said to him I'm going to bed <laughs> <laughs> great trip though really really good trip I, I just remember some guy who was the image of Justin Bieber trying to sing songs I think he knew himself before we even said it and Maloney in the car of yeah. course I still have a photo uh, I've stuck in the programme before of me, you, Ryan in the Dubliner um, it's not like it's it's kind of a low quality photograph, but uh, it's still one of my favourites though. And sitting down, sitting down. Yeah, in we're sitting with down. Gary, is it? Yeah, Gary's yeah. in too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But um, yeah. So Dan, let's address the uh, passport and the or the, the elephant in the room. I think we've established that you're one of the most well travelled hoops. That's why it's so remarkable that this happened to you of all people. Um, so to set the story if you're not familiar you were living under a rock this was a year ago the second qualifying round last year we lost 3-0 to Ludogorets in Bulgaria it was a Tuesday night and so you'd been to multiple European away trips already yeah, with this passport like you'd been to Malta I, with this I, passport I, I was in Australia with this passport I was in Bali with the passport I was 
flew through flew through um flew through China on the way to London to even get home from Australia. I've used the passport multiple times in the the scanners, the e passports, which funny one on the way back mm. I used as well. Remember what, what year you got it done? The I got it done in twenty twenty. Um, yeah. The reason was is that I was in Australia and I needed to renew my passport. So basically, at the time, you could take a photo and you could send it off to the passport office and then they send it back because I knew that I would have had to get it sorted eventually. And it's a you know if you've got plans, you got two weeks. It's not it's not as easy for uh, for mm. Woolly to give you a dig out then, you know. <laughs> so um, yeah, I got it sent back. I used it plenty of time, so it, it's the last thing in my mind that I thought would have been an issue. So the day itself. Um, was there about 30 or so people travelled I'm trying to recall now yeah not even there was probably I'd say 15 odd of us on the bus itself that was that, that was travelling from yeah. uh, Bucharest uh, over into um, Razgrad in Bulgaria so we were beating pretty handily on the night um, although you you've made plenty of noise I remember seeing you in the stand and you're quite prominent I mean I think you're you're wearing your jersey yeah, I don't and normally wear the jersey either. I just kind of yeah. got it. it was it was it was a scorcher that day. Um, yeah, just standing there watching the game it did have me hopes up as usual because at look to be fair to us in Europe we've been quite good, but uh, mm. they absolutely ripped us apart on those wings. Like it was, yeah. the, the game was over. We it was a pity now that it stayed two 0 because um, I think the 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 grace um, flop at the end they made a three and you could see Brad's reaction we could have had a chance as you know but mm. yeah bit bit good um ha- happy to just get back on that bus and get out of there and, and back in for a few points if we could in the pub so where is the bus destination from the ground so the bus is going from literally outside the ground um i think it was about maybe an hour an hour and a half to get back to the border that we'd already crossed um to go from uh, oh, I can't even remember the name of the town now. I think it was called Foom or something like I that. I think I wrote it down actually. It was called Ruse. Ruse, that was it. Yeah, Ruse. Yeah. So you go from Ruse, you go to the Bulgarian um, the border there and then you get over to the Romanian side. That's your last leg. And then once you're over, you go over this bridge and once once they're okay, then you're over the other side and, and you're out. So the bus is uh, pulled over. Are you, are you like crossing a border at this point? Is it? Yeah. So we we two just two border checks. The first one is a Bulgarian one, which is fine, and then mm-hmm. the second one is then the Romanian one. Uh, they're actually right beside each other. Um, the kind of the two countries either side. So uh, yeah, it was it was kind of the Romanian officials at first, then I was dealing with yeah. when things started to. You mentioned Graham a moment ago. He's uh, he's on the the media team. And uh, he sent me a photo a few weeks later. So he's sitting on the bus yeah. with the likes of uh, Chef Ray, uh, his dad, um, Bucket Star, Bucket Senior, as we call him. Yeah. Um, and Graham takes his photo, and it's six, was it a Romanian or a Bulgarian yeah. officials surrounding you, looking at your passport. And they're basically like laughing at you and the passport laughing at the idea that this that that's you yeah there's there's um the guy the guy laughing in that photo um wouldn't have been many people around them when it first kicked off Um, the reason why there's so many people around is because of him um yeah all that kind of started from that i don't think he he was making sure that there wasn't one person working on site that night that wasn't of his opinion 
um, you could have not even shown the photo that didn't matter it was about what he wanted to what yeah. he wanted to paint you know um, which is very which is very annoying because um, I've I've dealt with characters in my life where I kind of get to suss with them very early just by gut feeling um, to know what, what they kind of are and I know you're not supposed to raise your voice at them you keep your mouth shut and um you know they'll, they'll look at somebody else and go on but unfortunately with the circumstances he yeah the, the mind was made up about this and and um it, it was mm. <laughs> i knew then just keep your mouth quiet uh, answer questions when you can sign things when they tell you to and don't be cheeky be polite and just do what they say you know um i don't know the first thing about how a border works so you just you just kind yeah. of follow what they do and you just trust that uh, they're following the systems and they're following, you know, what what their job is, you know. So obviously the bus is kept there for a long time, and the yeah. fans are wondering what's going on. Like, does does the people stick their head out? Or are they trying to help? Ah, uh, like I mean, it was it was semi casual, you know. Like, um, people were chatting to me and stuff. I could have my phone in my hand. Um, I'm just talking about at the bar of the bus now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. everyone's still there and stuff. Um, we kind of just felt like you know they're in on the computer and stuff like that you know i mm. I, I assume that like if you scan a passport you put the details in you'd be able to see where i was traveling and stuff like that just to kind mm. of double check um i don't know do they look at me facebook do they look at my instagram anything in the co- world of common sense um would paint a story very quick to anybody about who i was what i was doing and where i was going exactly yeah. um but in Black Mirror Land, that was completely different. Do you know what I mean? Um, this is just the way this was unfolding. But uh, yeah, it's kind of how we, how it was going. So I felt like it was it was one person who was just had his mind made up, and there was no change. In it. I don't. I don't. I, there was just there was no other. Um, there was no uh, alternative look of of what was happening. It was just this isn't you, and and that's it. And. Uh, uh, I, I got a bit I did get a bit um, I'm going to say frustrated you know again trying to stay polite and stuff like that understandably yeah. got to the point where you know you're kind of felt like a bit, like a bit of a gaslighting exercise where you're kind of like no <laughs> you know just no uh, but yeah look that yeah that, that kind of just went on um, yeah that just kind of repeated itself and um, at, then at one point they had brought me into another room and the, the guys in the bus, you know, just thought that um, they were just bringing me in to, to check something or whatever. And they kept me there for a while, bringing me, showing me pictures of my mom and stuff, covering the name, saying, do you know this person? I said, yeah, that's me, mom. Yeah, it's all in. And uh, mm-hmm. I said, maybe you went to next one. You know, in my head I was saying that, you know. Are you talking uh, about the match? Are you like, I've just come from the match? No, I mean, no, no. This is this is them kind of in this room with me kind of coming yeah, in yeah. and out. You know, it, it looked like they were genuinely trying to make sure that this was me. Right. Um, And they were just asking me these kind of things. And they, they asked me enough straight away to know that it was, you know. Um, But then, yeah, the guys had ushered the bus away. Um, They rang me and they said, Dan, listen, uh, something's after happening here. Uh, Kieran rang me and he... He just said, look, he's, he told us that we have to go because we're here too long and we're keeping things, but they're just going to keep you now. Um, and then when they free it, we, you know, we'll organise somebody to be able to pick you up and stuff, you know. So even at this stage, it felt like um, it was just it was just part of the process and stuff. So you weren't too worried at this stage. You felt like this 
maybe drag on for an hour and you'll go. Yeah, that was it. When the where it kind of started to escalate a little bit was, um, this guy that was there from the start. He he, he was still he he had brought me then in a cop car, um, back over the bridge and back into Bulgaria, um, and. This is when I started getting serious. I was starting to the signs of the guys. Is he bring me over to the other side of the border? Now my heart sank. Like I was like, yeah, I'm not getting over there tonight. At least, um, brought me in, took, told me to like empty me pockets and stuff. And it's so weird at the same time. So let me phone and stuff. Like you know, it's not that they trying to block me from talking to people. And that's just to quickly give you more air perspective in the group chat. That was kind of odd because we were following it along. You were updating us. Yeah, we found that kind of odd that. A, you seemed calm, and B, you were able to text us. Yeah. But yeah, you were detained at least. But yeah, carry on. Anyway. Yeah, so um, again, you know, trying to people, I followed the process. They uh, they had asked me then to like empty me stuff because they wanted to itemize everything. So they started with the credit cards um, and they didn't just write down permanent TSB. They started writing down the, the numbers. They started writing down the CVV. They started taking, you know, photos of it and stuff like that. Um, and I was like, hang on, like you can't take those cards. So straight away, I had to like cancel my Revolut, cancel me permanent TSB and stuff on the spot. Well, yeah. actually, I couldn't cancel me permanent TSB, but I, I was able to lock the, the Revolut cards. And uh, so I was like, why do you need to write down the numbers? And all he kept doing was putting his hand up to me face and going, shh, 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 shh. You know, that was it. And I was like, okay. So I sat down at this stage. I was like, okay. So um, did they take my phone? I don't know. Yes, they did actually take my phone. Well, you were texting um, us for the first night anyway. Yeah, yeah. At, at that point they did take my phone. And um, I'm just trying to remember now if they gave it back to me on the spot. I think they itemized my stuff and then they gave it back to me. Mm. So I had the stuff on me. Um, I sat beside this police guy and there's a couple of times throughout this where people who weren't, doing their jobs weren't supposed to you know say anything where they kind of gave me a nudge as if to say everything's going to be okay so there was one police officer there who hadn't a word of english and he got a translator out on his phone and he said everything is going to be okay just be quiet and wait it out you know and he was he was just like winking at me and stuff and was like look that that was nice you know so i sat there again a couple of hours later they said their excuse then was that um they said the people who were on the Order that night were not going to be the people who were going to be able to let me be released so I would have had to wait until they started their shift in the morning which meant that I was going to have to spend the night in a cell that was basically at the border Right. Um, so away I went with um, oh god what was it a big block of cheese and a, a, a bone or something and a bottle of water and I had to sleep on this cell then for the night did I have a phone? I can't remember at this stage. Um, I don't know whether I had to. I think I might have had to put it in a locker until I got it back that morning. Um, hmm. Yeah, that was night one, I guess, um, where I went in. Night one. So are you like you're keeping touch with uh, the your girlfriend and your man? So are you kind of updating them on, on what's happening? I didn't tell. I didn't. I didn't tell my mom straight away because i don't i don't like telling my mom something straight away when things aren't going right in case they resolve itself because the last thing i want to do is is leave her under a load of stress until i really need to say it um Mm. i think it mightn't have been too long before i actually had my phone completely taken off in the other venue 
where I had told her uh, because I had to ask her to go and get as many pieces of ID and guard to get involved as I could. Um, one other thing actually happened just before I went in the cell that night was um, there was a couple of um, journalists that were still in uh, Razgrad for the Luda Goretz game and I'm sorry that I, I can't remember I can't remember the, the Rovers fan's name now. He was absolutely brilliant and thanks very much to him. Sorry, but just recall now, but um, you know, it was he was on to the journalists and journalists like look just just follow what they're saying, you will be out in the morning. I think they had getting wind or something like that that this had already circulated and stuff, but look, it was it wasn't to be at, at that point. Mm. Yeah, like I say, we were thinking like a lot of us were we were very concerned. Um, the fact that it went overnight, we were we were stunned that it was going on this long. At the same time, we were encouraged that you were you seemed pretty calm about it. You were you were joking about it here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, we were concerned. Um, so it rolls into Wednesday, and what sort of vibe are you getting when you're speaking to? I suppose. The, the police and everything yeah Wednesday. Wednesday morning very early woken up um, had to get out of the cell first time being put into cuffs um, I had to walk into this kind of it was almost like a it was like a police station that was near the border and um, I had to walk in front of the security guy who was always escorting me around and every time like they'd open the door and stuff I'd have to like turn the face the door and stuff the door and stuff like that uh, brought into this room with these two guys who were fairly sound like they just said look um we're just here to record why you're here um and what you've been up to and they just got me to say you know where i'd been traveling with the passport um now i had been thinking about this when i was in the cell because i had a feeling they're going to ask me about this and i was like to myself make sure you get these facts right you know it's so important but mm. when you're trying to remember stuff like they were trying to say like you know where have you flown the last five years and i mean you know <laughs> all right we have code and stuff but i mean i was obviously in australia and flew to i said i flew through shang through dubai which I, I usually did when i came home and i had to say to them half a true shit sorry you know actually that was shanghai is there any chance i can change now to be fair it was official statement and i said to them look I'm not comfortable signing anything, so I'm not going to sign it. And they said, "You really need to sign it because it's your statement." I said, "Look, I'm not signing it. You can you can say it was you can say that I wrote this and stuff." So. And this is not written in English. This this one is written in English. The guy was actually doing it uh, on a laptop. Um, and yeah, I just kind of sat there telling the story, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, there were just these these young coppers and mm-hmm. stuff, and I felt like that there were certain stages to this process when you get arrested and then you have to give a statement and stuff like that, and then whatever. So yeah, that that kind of happened, and um, I think I got some food. I got my phone back if I hadn't got it already. Um, they gave me a, they let me borrow a charger. To be fair, I was able to charge my phone, so I had some mm-hmm. charge in my phone. I think at this stage I um told I told my girlfriend about what was happening and obviously just not the panic and stuff and gave her my mum's number so thank god they were then in contact the next few days which is really nice um and yeah so next thing then was they had just said you know I actually yeah, the next thing was then I had been brought into this prosecutor's room and they had told me that um sorry actually i'm gonna go back just a little bit when when i first got brought into this room at the border when they sent the bus away there was a guy there um who'd taken photos of me 
and his job was uh, he was called the expert um, and the expert's job was to basically confirm that it's me in the photo with the passport so he didn't have any like e-passport technology or anything like that his job was to take photos so I went I got brought into this room and their main course of saying that it wasn't me was they said that we have talked to the expert actually they took my fin- fingerprints as well in the meantime while this was going on fingerprints all that kind of stuff um also took a saliva test i think to send off for dna or whatever i don't know maybe to check to see if i was some i don't know person they're looking for or something so they no mastermind yeah yeah done all done all the works um fingerprints and all and then yeah the this fella had taken the camera and um (laughs) i'm in this room and i'm sitting there and the guy is on a Windows XP machine, which must have been Windows XP, like Millennium, you know, the Millennium <laughs> Edition or something, right? He's got a ruler out. And uh, he's got the ruler out and he's looking at me and he's like, uh, you know, where's your ears in the photo? I'm like, what do you mean ears in the photo? Like, the ears are in the photo, you know what I mean? Um, I said, they're right here. And he, he has the ruler and stuff. And then he says, okay, so I go into this other room then. Um, there's a prosecutor guy sitting down um he introduces me to two people it's the translator and it's my defense lawyer so oh, okay defense lawyer um the embassy are on the phone as well and the embassy are just chatting to me really quick i'm like look i don't really know what's going on here but she says look okay they'll, they'll be able to explain to you what's happening now so the guy just goes uh, so he says we we've brought you in as suspect that you know you're traveling with a, a false passport and um, at that point they confirmed that the passport was real but they said the photo on it was not me and they said that due to the expert uh, he is determined conclusively that this is not you on the photo and i said it is me and he says it's not you i said it is me did he and, not accept uh, that passports in ireland are produced by irish governments and like yeah well this is the thing they um it, you know in the meantime um the police the you know the, the the garda and stuff had um you know verified who i am um hmm. which is you know the most important thing so um, they're not accepting that verification they uh they basically said that they're not accepting it um they said you know the basically that uh, you know they, they weren't well sorry actually let me let me roll back a little bit the part where the garda had confirmed that it was me in the part that it was me as the identity this was actually a little bit after the first bit was them kind of first saying that this isn't you in the passport because of the expert opinion and <clears throat> i basically said that um this is me and they said right so here's how it's gonna go the defense lawyer turns around to me and she goes listen this this is how things are gonna go um, here's this form you're going to sign it um, it's in Bulgarian at this stage She's, we've got a translator who can tell you um, what it means um, and basically she said that um, sign this to say that this is not you on the passport and she said she says that this will make things go um, better for you if you do this now so I turned around and this was the first time I broke character because up until that point I was being quite polite and stuff like that and all I had was Central Park 5 screaming in the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the poor lads who yeah, wrote no, the I've statement it, and stuff. Yeah. I actually thought a lot about that during the whole time. I was like, as long as you don't sign anything, it's okay, you know. Now, nothing to say, they couldn't have just done it themselves. 
Um, I said, are you the fence my lawyer? She said, my, you the, my defense lawyer? She said, yeah. I said, you can get the fuck out of the room. <laughs> I said, I want to speak to the embassy and get my own lawyer. And it was really funny because the, the prosecutor, the defense lawyer, and the um, interpreter looked at each other at the exact same time. And I said, fucking right. And then I said, and, you can, and he said, uh, then the prosecutor slams his hand on the table. And he says, what do you want? Second expert review, third expert review. I said, you can get as many experts as you want. Your man, and your man was in the corner looking through the door. I said, that fella hasn't a fucking clue. And I said to myself, right, I probably should have just been a bit more professional but at that point I kind of lost my wits a little bit I was well, this like, is your, what are you guys at like you know what I mean this is your own lawyer after meeting you for five minutes yeah I telling think, you to sign a written confession I, I, in yeah. Bulgarian I, I felt like that they just found her on the street and just brought her in like you know what I mean it was it was nuts I, I just I now obviously there's a process you know you always need somebody to defend you and stuff like that I, I'd imagine most places in the world mm. but she was too clued in for my liking and um, she said okay well maybe we can talk somewhere in private so she so to be fair she was giving me her email and I said look I haven't got my driver's license but I can send you a picture and stuff and um, I was actually still trying to I was trying to send her all the shit I had loads of emails and stuff ready to go to basically I had an email of when on Puss sent me a receipt of the email I have an email that's literally a minute later beforehand where I took the photo and uploaded it and sent to them. I had all these things, but they just didn't care about anything evidence-wise. They didn't care about the story. You know, the, the, anybody who was logical would have known that this was just me, but they didn't care about anything. And she was saying, oh, the email doesn't work and I didn't get it. And I was like, you haven't got the email app open on your phone. She's oh, well, oh, yes. Um, you know, it's just it, it was just an absolute facade. Hmm. Uh, so that's the point then that he sent me away to... Um, go to the prison then um, so I get put in a car um, this is an EU country in the year 2022 yes who's who are joining the Schengen where that border may not even exist <laughs> in the near future <laughs> and hopefully that fellow's it's job like behind the iron curtain stuff it's just it's mad it's crazy um, so they put me in uh, the police car back in the police car with the with the um, the police guy um, the interpreter is there and there's a driver as well who I believe was a copper as well so they said have you got any money and I said yeah I said look if you, we'll go into the shop for you and get you toothpaste and deodorant and stuff like that again times during this whole thing where people are civil and they're sound and they're really really nice where they I felt that even they felt that this was ridiculous mm-hmm. uh, so we go into the shop and she comes out with toothbrush and she says look I'm sorry uh, we couldn't just get you a toothbrush it's a double pack so uh, every time, every time the guy, the police officer is talking to her in Bulgarian and she's translating to me, I have to say, and then she translates it back to him. So he apparently hasn't got a word of English. And uh, I just looked at the, the, the double pack of toothbrush and I looked at him and I said, do you want the pink one or the purple one? <laughs> the guy just broke down laughing. <laughs> I was just like, sorry. I'm here in the cuffs like with my phone. I still have my phone. I've got this double two pack of toothbrush and like just about, I, I don't even know how, how I had Bulgarian money because I just had my card and the uh, Romanian money. But for whatever reason, I had it. Think, I think at the stadium, they gave me change of Bulgarian when I gave them 20 euro or something. That's how I had it. Mm. Um, had that then um, and then we get up to the prison and at the prison then empty all your pockets get rid of your phone that's when the phone was going I had my phone to my mum just look this is going to happen now 
uh, going to be put in. I don't know how long. Just trying to sort that driver's license stuff and confirming me um, who I am and stuff like that. And um, yeah, and then that was it. Then so the the police officers then come and they bring me up to the cell and he just gives me a shout and he goes, "Listen, if you be quiet in here, you'll be okay." That's all I'll say. So he brings me into the cell. I'm in the cell that looks like something from um, the um, oh the prison break series where they're in Mexico. You know where they I've kind of run, that the, one, yeah. run the prison themselves where there wasn't an actual proper toilet. To be fair, I don't think the stadium even had proper toilets. So old and grimy we're talking. Very. Tap water. I'll give them water. that. Um, I was in with a, a Syrian... Um, a Syrian refugee who I I I I've been able to have a con- a broken English conversation with him. It was really awkward at first because I was just lying there, just going, "Oh, please be nice, fella," and stuff like that. Mm. And he was just speaking to me in broken English, and he was like, "You know, England, England." I said, "No, Irlande." He goes, "Oh, Irlande, Catholic." And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, no. you know," and he was doing his doing his prayers and stuff. He was he was fairly sound. Um, he was fairly sound. He was telling me he was there for like six days. He was telling me that his brother was like two cells down and stuff and the police had actually moved his brother because he they were trying to talk to each other so they couldn't talk anymore. I actually felt really, really bad for him. Um, he'd done all the sweeping. He got the food for me. He put the food back at the door when you had to do it. I was about to knock on the door the first, to- first time to give him the soup back and he was like, no, no, no. Like He was, like, he was showing me a baton symbol, you know, signing with his hand and I was like, mm. okay. Um used let me you know i just i used the toilet and stuff um and then basically for two days i was just staring at a ceiling um did i do one night there or two nights that that was it then with no phone just taught to me head to be honest where are you uh mentally at this stage um i there's things in life that you can stress about right there's things that, that i i try to only like stress about things that i'm in control of if I'm lying in a cell and I can't knock on that door and I just have to wait it out, I try not to stress about it. So I was just like, this is just the way it is. When I'm here a day, I'm here two days. Obviously, it would have gotten harder the longer it went on. I was like, just trust the powers that be that something is mustering outside to just show that this re- re- situation is ridiculous. And at the same time, you know, part of like the, the Central Park stuff is that if you're told the same thing constantly, and you're in an environment where you're surrounded by everybody where and everybody around you is telling you otherwise of what you believe to be the truth. Uh, you do actually kind of start to say to yourself, shit, like, am I actually under their regime now? And, you know, I'm under their way of telling the story and I don't matter anymore. Um, and there's nobody to support me. And what what happens with that situation? Well, did you, know? you feel, I mean, you lost your phone that stage, but were you aware that? It was becoming public amongst the Robert fans. No, I had no idea. You didn't I, know yet. This it got to the see. I only I only told people that this there was serious trouble with this when I had to tell my mom because I was going into the cell and stuff and tell her to go down to the the station. I had no idea that like anybody was. I know that like Kieran Kane was brilliant. He was on the phone. I think he had already chatted to my mom when I said had the phone. I knew like Rovers were gonna. I know I knew Rovers. You know the people were gonna help and stuff, but yeah. But because you couldn't, you didn't see or hear about it, you felt isolated, obviously. Yeah, and they were kind of saying as well that um, I was going to be prosecuted on the Friday. So this is the Wednesday. They told me that you're going to be prosecuted on the Friday. 
Um, and this was after they had determined, you know, that it wasn't me on the passport. Regardless of me not signing anything, they just said, mm. you're going into this court and this is going to happen on the Friday. So I'm on Thursday now and I'm like, right, okay. I did not expect in a million years that I'd be out before that stage. I think it was the Friday morning. I just had in my head, you're going to be in court tomorrow. That's all you need to focus on. Just remember in your head about all the things that have happened, how you prove yourself and stuff like that. And don't fucking sign anything. Yeah. You know, so that that's that's where I'm at, to be honest. Um, I remember thinking actually, um you'd worry for a weaker person in that situation who maybe would be naive enough to sign something. Yeah. And I know you a good while now, and I I was pretty confident that you, you would be smart in the situation and clear you are the way you're describing it. Yeah, you can't you can't panic in these situations. Um I, I'd been in a situation in Australia, I'm not going to go into it, but basically if I signed something where I was actually given evidence for something and if I, if I signed it, I would have been in a lot of trouble um, because the way that they had um, articulated the document, it was open to have holes poked in it where I wouldn't have had a foot to stand on because once you sign something, you're in a lot of trouble. You're basically saying, I have done this, you know, yeah. and then it's open to... Um, different perspective you know so if you don't sign anything then they've nothing to, to do you know what I mean um, mm-hmm. they can write some unwritten thing and say that you said it but in a court of law it's not going to stand to anything unless of course obviously they they could have done they could have signed it said it was me they could have beaten the Syrian guy up and said oh, I did it they could have done anything in hindsight you know what I mean I was I was yeah. very lucky that um things just kind of played out in a very passive way yeah um, like I said, you're not aware of what's happening in the background, but what, what is happening on the Thursday? Like when you were t- retold the story, like who's working behind the scenes? I think like uh, Pamela Kearns and Muddy, and you mentioned Kieran Kane. Yep, were very good and in touch with the embassy. Excellent. So kind of what's going on in the background now? So I, I, I mean, I'm still in the cell. I, I've still like no idea that that this is going on. Mm. Um. I I'll give a shout out to the prison guards. Prison guards were sound. Uh, honestly, they um, they were leaking me some information a little bit early when they probably shouldn't have. Uh, I don't want to get them in trouble saying that now. <laughs> um, they told me that I was going to be freed the Friday morning. Um, and what happened was I went in for a shower and literally when the water was dropping out of me, they said, you have a phone call. Now, I don't know how they did it to wind me up, but as water was dripping out of me, Talking to the embassy and they said, the first thing we want to say is that we have been trying to contact you for two days and we have not been allowed to do it. First of all, they said, we apologise. I said, don't you be apologising, your grant. And, uh, you know, they were like, look, I don't know who you know, but this phone hasn't stopped ringing. Um, <laughs> so many people have uh, so many people have, have been in touch with me to try and understand. She said there's been football players and stuff like yeah, that. Robbie Keane tweeted about it and all. Yeah. Robbie Keane, Stan Petrov. And it's like, okay, yeah. look. And um, again, still no phone, still know what was going on. So I sat there and she said, look, this is what's going to happen. Um, the, the reason why there was a hold up for so long is that they were not happy with the Irish government saying that they had confirmed it was you until the physical piece of paper saying that it was you had been put on on the prosecutor's desk you know that felt like a real kind of you know uh, I've lost but I'm yeah I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna salvage some pride <laughs> anyway whatever whatever he was trying to do 
Um, I hope he looked like you know. I hope he looked like in a, in, a, in his in his own professional world a, a donkey and you know just the, from his behaviour and stuff like that. Starting right from the the first guy who was completely wrong and just trying to get kicks out of the situation, in my opinion. But um, yeah. So the, the, she said, "Look, you be free and stuff." So I waited another two hours in the cells. She said, "There's gonna be a taxi outside that'll pick you up." bring you over the border she said you're going to get some documents that you'll need to show them at the border and then once you get that you'll be back over in Bucharest and the Romanian embassy are going to meet the Irish Romanian embassy are going to meet you uh, on the other side which which is great I was like grand happy days um, I said goodbye to the um, Syrian guy who was very sound I hope he's doing alright because he, he was he was a very very nice person him and his and, brother and the sound prison guards he said, he said goodbye to them and, the, and the, the sound prison guard he was like hey uh, Sherlock Holmes I said no we're landing he goes hey whiskey whiskey <laughs> <laughs> I actually promised him that I would send over a bottle of Jameson and I never did it and the reason why I didn't do it is because I actually have absolutely no idea where I was I've no idea. Like I've tried, I tried to yeah. look it up. I didn't spend too long because my head was battered yeah. thinking about it. But I actually have no idea where I was. It kind of uh, adds to the mystery and madness of it, doesn't it? You don't know exactly where it was. No. So it's Friday morning. You release is it? Released, yeah. Um, um, put out in front of. Uh, had to stand in front of the gate at the prison. Um, I went to walk back in to get some shade, and the guy was like, "No, no, no." <laughs> so, okay, so I stand there with the E. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so the taxi hadn't arrived for like another half an hour, so I just waited out and stuff. I turned on my phone, and I say within about thirty seconds, my phone just absolutely went on a mad one. I I didn't know who to. T- I I rang my mum, rang my girlfriend. I probably put something funny in the in the WhatsApp group just to. I don't know what I said. I I, I think I said I'm never bringing that over my passport. We actually again. used that at the start of the show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I asked your permission, of course, but yeah, um, that that was. That was no, my mum was actually a little bit upset that I was laughing about it and stuff because look, I just I know I'm laughing about it now, but I should say this was a very ser- serious situation. A lot of people were very very concerned, and mm. rightly so, about what had happened. Um. I'm not laughing in a way of like making a mockery of like the situation, including people who care that, that it's not it at all. It's just when you're in that situation and there's absolutely nothing else you can do but try and amuse yourself. Find the humour. That's all you can yeah. do, you know. Um, in fairness, it has taken you a year to kind of uh, tell the story, so it, it it did affect you. Yeah, I did. I did tell the story. I actually told the story a bit in North, in Macedonia at the next mm. game because um, I was happy to tell the story. Like the thing is, there's no point in like when something bad happens in life. I, they always say like the most important thing is to tell people straight away because if you don't talk to somebody straight away, whether it's a counselor, or your family, and stuff like that, you bottle that in, and like you could, you know, people get PTSD and stuff mm. like that, and they end up not, you know, they have nightmares or they'll, you know react to people in life you know they'll end up kind of having some you know bad behaviors that they don't mean to do and stuff because they haven't actually talked about this stuff and it's all like sitting there it's really important to talk about this stuff as soon as you can and um did get hard now after a while telling the same story over and over Mm. again um i didn't mean that you didn't tell the story yeah to anyone obviously you have told it to friends and official capacity you sat down and you and you yeah explained but yeah i get what you're saying yeah um, um it's 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 good to talk about it though because um yeah you you can't you can't you can't leave um 
these thoughts to yourself, do you know what I mean? And as as you said, there could have been other people there that could have signed stuff up. I mean, a lot more trouble. Um, I was told about this guy, Michael Shields, a Liverpool fan, and he, he got himself into quite a spot of butter, butter and stuff. And um, yeah, was, you don't you don't want to be going down that road, you know. It was quite a, it was, it was an odd thing to think, but in, in some ways, I was like, I'm glad it's happening to someone like you, who's like a yeah. strong character. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, we we want Dan home as soon as possible because. Yeah, we couldn't like, we could not believe how long this was dragging on like it was absolute madness if i was like honestly if i was just um, a tourist and stuff and didn't have the support that prosecution could have happened on the friday and even if that would have been resolved eventually i'd say i wouldn't i've no doubt it would have been resolved but in that quick time frame i don't know like i was quite mm-hmm. accepting in my head that this prosecution was going to happen worst case scenario I was going to be there for a few weeks or a few months until all the kind of delicate stuff happened and officially mm. international, whatever way they do it, you know, got sorted. Um, again, everyone involved. Um, it was very hard to even know who, who was who, who was doing what. I was hearing these names, I was hearing Carl's mom, Pamela, honestly, thank you so much. You've Woody in helping me, mom. And working with the Garda, you've got, um, you know, all the, the sergeants and stuff like that, everybody helping. Um, everyone just coming together. Um, I don't even give a shout for the Bose fans with the with the creative memes, you know. <laughs> the the memes together. were good actually, yeah. Um, um the the Huberman one, funny if George Kelly had taken a photograph of Huberman holding a passport, uh and the, the patrol <laughs> the car the patrol is pointing at it and Huberman has the no, hands yeah. up and uh, I think George Kelly put it in. I was like, Oh, that is just too perfect. Yeah. The Huberman angle was quite interesting because i think was that the 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 angle the sun went with on the front page it's like former mascot yeah dude some of the headlines were mad um it's amazing it's amazing what people can it's amazing what papers can do without your permission to just pull photos out of the internet and all because obviously some once something is public and once somebody says something then they can write any kind of story do you know what i mean there was there was this one guy on twitter and i actually feel like i'm giving him a I'm giving him airtime saying this, but he actually done homework on like my job and stuff like that and tried to come up with some um, story to justify that I was le- legitly there and the Bulgarians were right because I was going on so many European trips and stuff like that that it didn't make sense. But I was just like, what the hell? But for every one in a thousand tweets... That's fucked up. I, didn't, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. No. For, for every one in a thousand tweets, you're going to get some insane person and the world of Twitter. It's not really for me, Twitter. Like that, That's why the world... Of, the, the world of Twitter is a dangerous place and it's funny I, I'm i not surprised why people say people say Harrison Ford is a dickhead for example because he just tells everyone now who, who tries to get a photo to fuck off but do you imagine the amount of people making chewy noises to him after over the last 50 years <laughs> you know probably tell people to get lost as well I remember you saying you went through the Romanian e-gates no bother the passport just flew, well, flew through was it well I, I I had to go back over the border first yeah and I was in more there was more trouble um, hey, I remember this. Yeah, they didn't actually let me back over straight away, and I had all these forms, and they acted like they didn't know who I was. And I just turned around to him and I said, "I'm gonna be in that car, and whenever you're ready to let me go, I'm just gonna sit here on my phone." And then your mom was disgusted uh, that I said that, and within about five minutes, I was I was back in the car again. But met the met the Irish em- em- embassy guy who was really really nice. Um, he brought me, he was actually flying back that night to Dublin as well, so gave me a bit of food, let me have a shower, 
brought me to the airport then and uh, he had loads of like um, embassy badges with him and stuff like that just in case there was any issues and he said we'll go through the, the passport thing and I said no I'm going to go through the e-gates and uh, I went to go through <laughs> the e-gates and I just turned around and I looked at him and I said I'm telling you you fine scan straight through if anything <laughs> I was waiting for him um, which just puts the whole thing into perspective like, do you know what I mean I mean, surely they would have like wasted less time to just bring me to Inigate and Sofia. I know Sofia was a couple of hours away, maybe, but if they had Inigate there, could they not just or just get the technology? That's like you know what I mean. Get rid of the XP computer. I'm sure it's well past the warranty at this stage, including your man. I remember you saying as well in Dublin Airport, they looked at your passport. They were obviously aware of the story. You'd been on RT News with Samantha the Berry and all. What was their reaction to the passport? They were just laughing. They were like, oh my God. Like, they were like, how? What? You know, they just couldn't believe it. And they all, it was funny. They all kind of knew. They must have a thing in their system that I'm coming in or something. But like, it was funny. They were just like, oh my God. I was actually standing. It's funny. The the the, first, the only thing I wanted to do was just get over that border and back into Ireland. But I was just still mm. chatting to them then for about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different world, yeah. I have to say. You know. Well, at the time, and looking back, when you look at the passport, what do you think maybe this could have happened, or do you still look at it and think, I don't understand why this happened? No, it, honestly, like I'd done so many trips before that that nothing had flagged up to say that there was anything wrong with the passport. Never in a million years. Was there anything head. unusual about the way you looked when you took the photo compared to when you looked that year no my my mom had said something about like i had a, an operation on my job but like that operation was 2015 my house my face was swelled but i took that photo in australia in 2020 i actually yeah. i actually you know look my, my mom was worried and stuff like that but there was no excuse for this there was no there was no there was no jaw thing or no swelling or anything like that yeah this was me and that was it um how they could get it so wrong is just incredible um maybe i'll find out one day not and maybe not in this lifetime that there was something else going on that i just wasn't aware about and unfortunately i was just the person in the middle of it all but uh until then i'm just completely bemused by it to be honest did you in the aftermath did you like did you want consequences do you want someone to uh, sort of- i i i had a i had somebody contact me who and thanks to the person who rang me because they actually sounded like a um very high up person in what they did and was taking about an hour on the phone to basically encourage me to to get on to they're basically people who do european law um because he said like you've got a good thing here but like Look, I mean, I can go down that road, but like, you know, me, me, not that my head was battered over it, but you kind of just want to close the book on something like this. Um, mm. You know, see the funny side of it and, um, you know, kind of try be proud of myself that I played the situation. I couldn't have played the situation now any better than I did. Um, in my opinion, like I, I, I tried to stay quiet when I could. I talked when I could. I, 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 I kind of spoke up and I felt that it was time to say, no, this can't continue. Like, I'm, you know, example, sign and stuff. So thank God mm. everything just, and then, and the support from home is the main thing that swung it because I would say that they were very, very surprised that they had gotten such, um, a backlash <laughs> after actually let me out. Yeah. Um, I've heard I've heard things about you know 
people make a name for themselves i i can't i can't um you know i can't quote it i can't you know this is just twitter it's not this isn't my this is just twitter from the things that i've seen about why this may have gone on but um i just know that's me and that's it you know um and hopefully to god this never happens to anybody again um i just you know i want to thank everyone shamrock rovers Kieran kane my god like constant touch in touch with me ma'am absolutely brilliant um i thankfully already had actually a flight booked that night because when the draw was done it was a wednesday and thursday night fly home for both for 20 euro with ryanair so i just booked the boat with them so thank god i was still able to fly so it was a great gesture from rovers to offer to pay the flight and stuff but i i, I told kieran that they i'd already had a sorted that night so and yeah. um, that that was nice and i, I did kind of ask if i could fly with them for the next game but um myself and Maloney had um found an alternative route to Macedonia because it was important that I went to that next game, which a lot of people thought I was fucking insane. I remember telling you about that, yeah. Yeah. You felt it was important to go. If I if that didn't happen, I would have gone. So if it happened and I didn't go, that would have been the reason why I didn't go, and that would have probably messed with me head a bit. Um, was anyone surprised you went? Ah, yeah, my mum. Aside from your mum, any fans yeah. were like, "Ooh, yeah, no, they were." I mean, you weren't exactly going back to a place a civilized again. <laughs> You're straight into North Macedonia with troubles with the locals and Albanians and whatever. And it wasn't a great history about that team. We were playing Scoopy with their fans and attacking other fans. And well, my thing was is that in my head, I was like, right. I've got. I can get this passport sorted in a few days because I. That, that, to be fair, the, the powers that be helped to get it sorted. Um, I wasn't going to use the same passport again. I just wanted to wash my hands with it and just get another one. Um, you got everything. I remember you came home and like you were, you you're a man possessed. You're like new passport, <laughs> driver's license, the, every the works. Everything done. Yeah. Um, and then we booked. I said. I just said to Jay. I said, "Look, I need to do this. So let's let's book it." So we went to Thessalonica, and um, I told my mum was going to do it, and I kind of explained to her. And obviously, she was worried, but you know, she'll always just say, "Be careful." Um, part of that was crossing the border again from Greece to North Macedonia. Um, we all went on it, and absolutely fine. Passport went through. No, not a bother. I didn't advertise at all that I was obviously going to this game. Um, I didn't want to find out that the fucking Bulgarians and the North Macedonians um, share the same <laughs> hard computer or whatever, yeah, yeah. one drive or whatever, you know. Um, got over absolutely no problem. We actually went through two borders there as well because technically it was Greece and the North Macedonia. Um, got to the game. I rang my mum when I got over and I said, I'm over the border. She goes, don't be ringing me about borders. I said, no, no, I'm <laughs> over the border. Um, Paul... Paul was laughing his head off, but uh, Paul Hayden was laughing his head off. But um, game went great. We got through, put the photo up with the passports, and then flew back to London from from Scope Scopia, and then um, back to Dublin, and that was it. Then I'll, I'll, my head, my head felt so. Well, as soon as we passed that border into North Macedonia, there was a, such a weight lifted off my shoulders. Like I genuinely just felt like it never happened. It, I felt I I I I really just. Felt so much better that I'm really, really happy that I done it. Uh, how many requests did you get to see the <laughs> the passport photo? <laughs> um, yeah, I got I got a lot from people. Look, I people were asking me to put it on Twitter, but it's it's like the thing with the one in a thousand. You put it up there, and then I have to read tweets of some guy 
he was just trying to wind me up saying oh I can actually see their point of view because of the hair or something like that but like it, there was never going to be anything in that like logically no no um, you're 100% it's just, right I didn't want to read stuff like that yeah um, I didn't want them to um, be looked at as if they had even 1% chance to say that what mm. they did was correct because it wasn't um, throwing the logistics of Facebook and Instagram and I'm on RTE at the game and there's a video of me at the game like I think RTE actually showed me at the game like in I a know, snippet yeah. like you know uh, we, should, we should mention your mum actually she was on the radio uh, <laughs> the line of Bill I'll, I'll let you tell it that was, that was the funniest thing ever I, I just remember opening Twitter and Ricky Keegan had retweeted go on Dan's ma so I opened it <laughs> and it was uh, you know she was like, um, I'm going to make them follow Bose because uh, they never get to qualify for anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just, it's so innocent, like, you know, because my mum wouldn't yeah. know much about, she'd know Rovers and that, you know, the Bose that arrived and she, she'd keep an eye on the scars, you know, from coming home and a huffer. It was like happy. the ultimate burn. It was, it was absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. I think when somebody says something like that without meaning to say it, it's, it's better. Um, yeah. But, uh yeah, it was it was it was, uh, it was a cracker from me, ma'am. I have to say. <laughs> Just a few quick notes here. Uh, Stockholm. What did you go up and sing for uh, karaoke? Oh yeah, uh, Folsom Prison Blues, <laughs> which was underappreciated. I thought. I think was it Maloney's idea? It might have been, or was it your idea? I don't but, know. But uh, I don't think it went over some people's heads. I I felt I I quite enjoyed it now. I did. I, I yeah. I I was in two minds. I definitely wasn't going to talk about this last year, but um. Just, just about everything that I've said there. It's not new information. Um, you know, it's information obviously that I've, I've, I've said to um the police. I've said to um the embassy and stuff back yeah. in Dublin. It's nothing that's new. It's what people, you know, people have already known. It. I'm just kind of passing on information that I've gone around Twitter and the likes and stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know. Feels good to kind of say. It. Maybe what I'd say is that if people have seen this now, maybe don't ask me about it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind, I'm a bit sick to death talking about it. Um, just kind of saying the same thing over and over. Like I, I really appreciate last year. So many people just being so concerned to, to understand, make sure that I was okay, which is brilliant. But um, yeah, I think it's time to put it to bed, isn't it? So that's the time. Uh, Dan Dananovich Fulamovsky <laughs> caused the international incident. I just, I have, I got some notes from at the time of the show at the time. Uh, so maybe repeat myself from last year, but uh, Mitzi on Facebook never happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a cracker. Uh, poor Luke Huberman of nine years got no mention. Uh, when when was the last time you had done Huberman before that? Uh, I think the last time I done Huberman was maybe twenty seventeen. I'd say probably for I only did the bow. I only did the bows and pats games. Um. I'm sure it was very obvious. There was a very different Hooperman out those nights. Um, yeah. Mainly camping out at the East End in front of the crowd and and joining in on the songs and stuff. So it was very obvious when I was out those nights. I also was about two foot taller than anybody else. So um, yeah, it's definitely been a while. I am I'm officially retired now though. <laughs> I can, I actually don't. I actually used to drop a few pounds in the thing. I I wouldn't mind that to be honest. But that'd be about it. I remember, like, um, I think it was from Malta. I had paid for our pizzas, and it was like fifteen quid. And we had talked about just before the game, 
It was like, oh yeah, just frame me that when you have a chance. And so, so then you, all this happens and you go through your ordeal for three days and I send you a message. And the first one's, I, I'm sure I'm saying like, welcome home and all. And I just thought it'd be the funniest thing ever if I just straight up asked you for the money back. I was just like, can you just pay me that back now? Like you've, you've, gone, to, you've gone to great length. It was a total joke. And then you actually sent it to me. And I was like, I, I, was, on, I was only messing. <laughs> I checked my rev and I was like, there it was. I was like, for fuck's sake. The neck of the bat. <laughs> and I also remember that on the Tifty's hotline, like literally the week before one of the questions was, uh, any travel nightmares <laughs> any travel mishaps so that was a week before was it I think it was yeah, yeah so I, I felt th- a bit I, of a jinx I, don't, uh, I think I think my answer on that was doing that train from Helsinki to oh you were uh, on it yeah I was on it yeah. I'd done that train from Helsinki to um, to Rovaniemi because the, after two flights had been cancelled so I I, I probably was travelling just as long compared to the two, to yeah. be honest. Um should say as well, actually, just, just for the um, everyone on the bus, obviously, but Ryan McGrew as well was fantastic. Um, obviously, I, I all I had with me in Bulgaria was to shorten me back because I was planning on going back, obviously, to the hotel, change, have a shower and go out again. Yeah. So I had, my, I had my laptops with me. I had my, you know, all my clothes and stuff for four days. So Ryan brought it all back for me to Dublin, so... Um, I also don't think I even gave him the money. He must have had to pay for the carry on and stuff. So I actually need to sort that, Ryan. But just a thanks to him for doing that. I think he was chatting to um, my girlfriend and my mom and stuff as well to just give them a bit of updates and stuff. So no, he's a he's he's a great kid. There's you know a lot of people on that bus that are excellent Rovers fans. Um, mm-hmm. he, if I, if you're if if you're putting people at the top, he's certainly up there. So nice and Ryan. Huber Mandela thought that was another nice one. <laughs> Uh, going out the front door Barney asks uh, were you Huberman for his son's fourth birthday many years ago I was for Laura's uh, son um, <laughs> whether it was a mascot game or whether it was a birthday party oh it was a communion uh, or son's communion but it wasn't I don't think for Barney's one no um, yeah those parity parties were mad. I've only done a few like I was never like the main you know we was just kind of helping out the club and um, they they were stuck for stuff and I mean I was, I was getting paid for it and all. it was nice being in college, college and that to, to get stuff and the Europa League year I mean we we had so many things on TV3 and everything and most of the time they couldn't even get them in the camera because it would it would fuck up the lights and all so he just used to have a little moment to fucking run around like a madman I don't know, it still, still just amazed me that they thought they needed some sort of angle. It was like, okay, who is he? What is he? Oh, he's a former mascot. It's not <laughs> It's not a big enough story yeah. that an Irishman yeah, was yeah, detained yeah. in Bulgaria because they don't think it's him in the passport. They needed an angle. Um, but we'll end on a, on a nice note. And we, we still do start in 11s and predictions in a moment. But, uh, you have been uh, touring with a pretty big band, EMF. EMF, yeah. For a couple of weeks, so you've done Leeds, Nottingham, Glasgow, Manchester, London. So, like you say, you're an international DJ. So, uh, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, EMF. I um, I I, st- I started going to this festival called Shine on Weekender, and um, I saw Graham Park and Mike Pickering do this kind of old school set, and the lad said, you know, get a pair of decks and put you on. So, I started DJing at that, and James Atkin, who's the, the singer out of EMF, said, we'd love you to do two one-off gigs that they had um after covid so i did it and they said right we're doing this tour we we want you to come um how can we make it happen so 
quite cheap flights in the January to get out to Manchester and then I, I jumped on the tour bus with them and they sorted excuse me sorted the um, you know sorted the, they sorted the accommodation stuff and I was playing for about maybe two hours before they came on it was really cool experience to be playing in a lot of these famous clubs um, one night I was playing in Gorilla in Manchester which is literally around the corner from the famous Hacienda Club which I'm fascinated about and its history and I was able to play a set where I kind of um, felt like what would it be like if I was in there and I was I was going to play a set so it was an amazing experience and like these guys have been to America they've had a number one unbelievable they've 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 played in front of tens of thousands of people these guys have done it you know and they're nice people and it's just it, it was just such a cool experience to be part of it uh, you played a beat as well, didn't you? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's this week called Slip Back in Time, which is it's basically all the, the old school gods of, of the 90s. Um, it's ran by a guy called Slipmat, and Slipmat was, you know, he's, 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 he's they call him the godfather of rave. Um, I got to know him because I, I ran a night in Melbourne to, because basically there was no old school rave um, of the music I liked, and I worked with a guy in Perth. We, we brought Slipmat over, brought Mark Ecstasy, and... Um, we had an amazing night um, and then I felt like kind of returned the favour. It was like, look, we put you on in the thing and I beat the next time. COVID hit. He still put me on for the first <laughs> year back. I did the set last year and I, he, he actually said it was really, really good, which was amazing for me because for someone like him to say it, like it really blew me away. So got to do it again a few weeks ago. Um, the sets are on SoundCloud if anyone's ever interested here and some old school after the podcast. But well, uh, I'll put the link in the SoundCloud bio. Isn't that, isn't that what they say? Yeah, but um, um, give it a listen. But no, it went down really well. Just it's really nice because um, it's nice to have a it's nice to have an outlet outside your job, via rovers or music or stuff. So that's that's unbelievable. Um, what's what's going up for you? Um, not not a lot really. Um, we've got Shine on in November. Um. I've never really like made a page or really put myself out there to try. I, I always feel like with this stuff, if you, if you maybe try too hard and you, you get involved with the wrong people, it might take the love of it away for you. So I'm always a little bit hesitant with that to, to go full on. But I, I have started a production course and Ableton to have a go at seeing what it's like to maybe remix a song or two. I've, I've a couple of I've, I've done this an Ola Gay remix with a song called Bomb Scare last week last. Re, um, year and it went down really really well so um, yeah I have a couple of ideas so feck it you know what I mean I think you get two points with DJing where you, you might as well have a go with that as well so hopefully something cool will come from that I think we we put on that um, an all gay remix at the end of an episode because we were I remember it, that yeah it was the episode we were the challenge and the hotline was to make up songs oh and, yeah and uh, I think Gary sang he put on his best James Hetfield <laughs> it was about Brazzer Oh, and he actually, uh, I think he sang it. I think he sang it. He, he did, yeah. over, didn't he? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a good five minutes. Like, I actually have a strict rule where at the end, I don't want to go any more than a minute and a half. Yeah. But you said me five minutes, and it was all really good. I was like, well, I don't want to cut any of this. So I just I, like, played the whole thing. Yeah, it can be cut down to yeah. about three minutes. It's <laughs> kind of this, uh, gets really kind of like these rave stabs and stuff in the middle that yeah. can only kind of suit a particular kind of raver. And then the pianos, other, either side is the pianos and the Enola Gay synths come on. And uh, yeah, sounds pretty cool mm. when you're when you're playing out on a big speaker. So yeah, after all that, we have starting 11s and predictions. <laughs> so... 
So yeah, injuries. Um, we got Ronald Finn, Gary O'Neill, uh, Aaron Green. No, none of them were involved on Monday, so we're not sure at this point on Wednesday if they are back for Dundalk or not yet. Um, Frugier, we're assuming, will be a bit longer. Uh, Trevor Clark is two months. He's had an operation on Monday. Uh, Lee Grace, possibly a bit longer. I'm not expecting him back. And obviously you got Adam Manis. And uh, yeah, Brazier said Jack should be okay. Um, I saw somebody say, Berkey, has he accumulated five yellow cards? Possibly. Could, could don't have don't have up-to-date news here. So we'll put Burke in our team and we'll look foolish if he's yeah. suspended, right? Yeah. So... The team, yeah, so I think we'll say Pauls, Cleary, uh, Pigo, Hoare, Wingbacks. Could this be, could Cruz come in here? He, he seems are, to like Cruz, so. He was on the left, wasn't he, when he was playing? Mm. Um, he's new, he's used Nugent a few times on the right. He wasn't great on the right, though, was he? When, mm. He's actually been good in the middle a couple of times. Yeah, he's, he's actually yeah. been excellent in the middle. Um, Gannon came in the other night. Gannon, yeah, yeah. It was quite good. I suppose I'll go Cabo and Gannon as my wing backs in the middle. Uh, I suppose Towel Watts, uh, and then we have yeah we have Gaffney Kenny. So how many more do I need there? I think you're up to ten there. So the last midfielder. Um, what are we saying? We're saying we're going to leave out Jack, though, aren't we? It w- it would be good to keep him on the bench for this, especially on that pitch. Yeah. Um. Maybe it is a game to bring in. Um. Not Cruz, but. Um, John, just for just as a wild card, we're going to say Bert because he's come Bert. on as a sub the last couple of games. Uh, let's see him start again. How would he be on that pitch with his groin and stuff? I mean, well, hard to know. Yeah. As long as we keep Jack in, in cotton wool, though, it's the important thing. Yeah, keep him on the bench. The only one is as well as if maybe you you put Gaffney or Kenny on the bench and have somebody else there, and just that they can come on. You're not risking mm-hmm. your two strikers um, being on the pitch for Dundalk away with the game so close. But at the same time, you have to go for the win here. Talk, you know, we can't talk as if it's going to be an easy game either. Yeah, it's going to be a very tough game. It won't be another four nil. No. Uh, I think O'Donnell will have learned his lesson. Yeah, there's no way. Well, again, he seems to have gotten every single game against us tactically wrong. Every single time. Um, there is a stat. Did I say that on the show already? Um, Brazzer has never lost to Stephen O'Donnell because oh. the one game we did lose to them in Aria last year, uh, Brazzer was not in the dugout. It was actually <laughs> Glenn Crown and Stephen McPhail. Yeah. So this goes back all the way to Pats. Brazzer, okay, on the record, he has lost one game. On the, the cup game, was it? Um, no, it was a league match. Yeah, yeah. We lost 1-0 in Oriel last summer. Was he in charge of the cup game? Remember O'Donnell was, uh, well, he was actually as a player at the time. He was. Remember he rolled himself around an extra time to <laughs> somebody sent off, I think. Oh, was this the 4-2 in Tala? Yeah, I think it was It was a cup game, wasn't it? Where I we, just mean as managers now, but yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's my team. I hope I picked 11 there. I wasn't counting. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, what's yours? I wouldn't change much, to be honest with you. The only thing is maybe swapping out Gaffney or Kenny for somebody. Um, yeah, just in case. Maybe maybe yeah. if Burke is there, maybe I'd start Burke ahead of Gaffney or Kenny just that one of those are on the bench to not mm-hmm. risk too many people. I still don't see Burke staking a place in the 11 yet. 
um, but he has been a great player to come on there will come a time in the season where he'll just start scoring a few goals yeah. and then all of a sudden he'll be undroppable he, yeah. does, he does this at various stages of the it's, year uh, I think I think with Euro coming up well I know we have the July break with no league games but yeah plenty plenty of players just kind of, I would be shocked if Tete and stuff didn't get a couple of games over um, August and September Tete, there's another forgotten man. He's, he's still in the quiz last 16, so we will we'll <laughs> he hear from him in some capacity. He did come on a few weeks ago, I think. Um, um, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah. I remember him warming up. Did he come on? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, just a quick bit of news. Kieran Barrett's loan deal at Kerry has been extended at the end of the season. And our loans of Kenny Clark Poom, they're all season-long loans. Uh, Sabraz are talking about Kenny because you know, Celtic will have a new manager. So he was asked, could that change anything? And he mm. said, no. We have a good relationship with him, so he sees him staying for the for until November. Yeah, uh, we, we do have to fit in at the Dock Cup match here somewhere, possibly before the Copenhagen home match. Um, so if they're playing on Thursday, and we're home on the Wednesday, then it would make sense to play on the, on the Sunday. On a Sunday, yeah. I hate those Sunday games. Though, remember now, I think we went up to Dundalk on a Sunday a couple of years ago after a European game and we weren't expected to win. I remember running mm. a, a double-decker bus. Was that the Shawsy Swivel? I think it was, yeah. yeah. Um, we beat them. So 1-0? 1-0, yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the day Dave McAllister stole the Dundalk side of the tunnel <laughs> and it pissed off all the players. That was, that was one of the best stories ever told. In the podcast. Yeah, we, we, we were going yeah. up to that game. I think... We must have only been back from Boleslav or something like that. We were absolutely wrecked as well. Never mind the players. Good win, mm. though. I remember that day. Yeah, it was a lovely day. Because I normally associate Dundalk with rain. <laughs> Misery. I'll be in the so, stand, thank God, on, uh, on Friday. Uh, I so. did the stand last time. I couldn't have worked out any better. 4 nil. But uh, I'm not going to push my luck this time. I'm going back to the ground. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring the body if I need Um but that's it, Dan. I said this could take four hours. It looks we've easily broken three there. <laughs> uh, we're sweltering. We I think we've covered everything now. But uh, now, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having um, me on. Appreciate it. I hope um, hope Gary comes back with with a tan that's real. So uh, <laughs> and he'll be back on the show. I was noticing the summer in there as I was as I was uh, as we were talking. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Yeah, I'm sunburnt everywhere. You can't a glass for you. Um, you you were woken up at eight in the morning from the sun, so everyone just got their sleeping bags and slept out in the shade. But of course, you mm-hmm. wake up and the sun's over you. So, fortunately, um, got myself suffering this week, but I'm feeling a bit better today. Thank God. No, but uh, no, you're fantastic. I'm thinking back to all my special co-hosts. I think I'm going <laughs> to put you right up there near the top, anyway. And at the bottom uh, of Con Murphy's notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I thought you were fantastic, uh, Dan. So thanks for doing it. Nice one. Cheers, Carl. And keep on hooping. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>
už si zuby brousí, Jožin z Pážin, kouše sa jerdousí, na Jožina z Pážin, koho by to napadlo, platí jen a pouze práškovací letadlo. Projížděl jsem dědinou, cestou na Vizovice, přivítal mě předseda, řekl mi u Slívovice, živého či mrtvého, Jožina, kdo přivede, tomu já dám za ženu, dceru a půl jezede. Jožin z Bážin, močálem se blíží, Jožin z Bážin, k vesnici se blíží, Jožin z Bážin, už si zuby brousí, Jožin z Bážin, kouše sa jerdousí, na Jožina z Bážin, koho by to napadlo, platí jen a pouze prášková letadlo.